Hello and welcome to a new show on the Indie Corner Network. This is British Wrestling Spotlight, where each month we profile a different UK company's big show and track whether the Brit Res boom period of 2017 is really coming to pass. My name's Benno, and with me today are my co-hosts, first, Joe. Hello. And JP. Hello. So just to give you a, a short idea of what you're in for each month with this podcast, what we'll be doing is first taking a look at what we've been watching throughout the month. So that will include shows we've been to live, shows on VOD. We'll have a focus both on shows that maybe you might not be aware of, shows that aren't particularly high profile, but also we'll be looking at the more well-known shows as well. What we'll also do on the show each month is we'll have our featured reviews. So as I said before, it will be a review from one of the main British uh, indie wrestling companies, and it will be whatever their big show is for the month. So starting with our first month, it's going to be RevPro, and we're going to be looking at High Stakes 2017. Before we start, guys, um, the two here are new to the Indie Corner Network. I featured on the Indie Corner flagship uh, a couple of weeks ago. Also did uh, British Audio Wrestling. So some people might be aware of me already, so I'll go at the end. But firstly, uh, Joe, if you want to just introduce yourself a little bit and uh, tell us about uh, your wrestling fandom, uh, what you're into, what you're watching. Yeah, just tell us uh, who you are. Yeah, sure. So I'm Joe. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Lemsip. That's Lemsip with four Ps, uh, because Lemsip with one, two, and three Ps was taken, unfortunately. Um, So I've been a fan for as far back as I can really remember. Um, And at the moment, I'm really into uh, British wrestling, uh, big New Japan fan as well. Um, Sort of still watch bits of WWE occasionally. haven't watched a full episode of Raw in a long time. Been a while since I watched a full episode of SmackDown as well. NXT, I try to dip in and out of. Um, But at the moment, I'm finding there's so much great stuff going on over here that I feel like... I watch too much wrestling anyway, so I'm trying to reduce the amount I watch. I'm at WWE that I watch, and I'm trying to watch as much British content as possible because it's just been such well, it's such an exciting time for us, and this is what I always kind of dreamed of happening in this country and never, ever thought it was going to happen. Um, I've followed the indies probably now, now probably since about 2004. I uh, was a big Ring of Honor fan. used to love IWA Mid-South as well. Um, I used to watch bits and pieces of No during its kind of glory years as well was a big uh, fan of like Kabashi Masawa um, and then I've watched New Japan consistently since about 2012 so good sort of coming up to about five years really yeah well okay well uh, Joe obviously me, me I know you through Ring of Honor back mm. in the day when we were both big uh, oh, yeah. wrestling fans and uh, that's how I know JP as well so JP for for me as well uh, give us some background when did you how long you've been a wrestling fan what are you into um, what's your story oh god I don't think I can compete with Joe's um, <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a I'm, ramble I suppose one of the uh, I've been watching wrestling I always think the first wrestling event I ever watched was Wrestlemania 6 and it was in 1990 uh, yeah. so it was from that point onwards, that was me gone. Um, I do. Your age away there, JP. I am giving it well away at that point. That's one of the problems <laughs> of being older. Um, watched a lot of World of Sport. One of the typical people who would watch it with their grandparents. 
and then um, eventually became a massive WCW fan. I was I was one of the few because they had their VHS tapes out. And I, as I was telling Joe earlier, I used to bunk off school to hang around outside Boots so I could buy WrestleWall 91 and Halloween Havoc 90. I thought the Chamber of Horrors match was the greatest match in the world. <laughs> and yeah, I've, I've really, I've sort of at times threatened to dip in and out and then ECW would come along and tape trading and I got back into wrestling after becoming disillusioned with uh, with that sort of early 90s down period and then started to to follow TNA um, sort of followed uh, obviously followed the Monday Night Wars all throughout university again giving the age away and started to really broaden out towards late 2000s and it was partly through what seeing uh, Ring of Honor and seeing what was going on in the American independent scene yeah. And also in Japan and sort of through tape trading as well. Back in the day, I'd seen some all Japan primarily, um, but sort of caught really up on New Japan. So where I am at the minute is very much sort of Brit rest, New Japan, keeping an eye on WWE as much as anything else. And I take a big interest in the sort of almost that bigger picture of wrestling and where it is at the minute because this is the most fascinating time from a political perspective and the way the UK features into it as well is absolutely incredible. So yeah, I watch everything, which is too much. I also force it on my children (laughs) and sometimes when I'm just doing washing up, I'll have some shoot interview on. JB's 10 year old was talking about a card and Omega last Friday, 10 year old. He watched That's it over very, dinner. Very they know, yeah. They it's it's really abuse in one form, <laughs> um, you might say. So yeah, that's that's me. Fair enough. Well, yeah. Just for just to recap, go on me then at the end. Um, similar to you guys, really. I mean, I've got a similar story to you, really. There, JP. I mean, I was probably a child of those uh, the early nineties boom in this country. Mm. Um, I think. It was more, it was dying down in America, wasn't it? The, yeah. uh, the WWE boom, the Hulkamania boom. But it was kind of just picking up steam here, here in the early mm. 90s. So I was a bit like you. I mean, I was, as a kid, uh, all of my friends were into WWF, so I became a huge fan. Then all of my friends in school stopped watching wrestling. But I was the one kid who carried yeah, on watching. Yeah, I had that as well. Yeah, and then yeah. All, of a, all of a sudden it comes 1997, doesn't it? The Attitude Era starts, and mm-hmm. apparently everybody likes wrestling again. Yeah. And I'm sat stood there like, hang on, guys, come on. I mean, where were you in the in the heady days of the of the new generation? Uh, yeah. Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Um, so at that point, I think that probably ties into how I became a bit of a smart mark because that's when you start. You think oh, I know more about wrestling. I'm gonna I, I read Power <laughs> Slam. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheer the heels. Good old I'm Finn gonna, Martin. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah i'm gonna boo the faces and yeah you become a bit of a smart mark and i started to get into the indies uh ring of honor as we mentioned earlier is a, a big part of my wrestling fandom i think same as you uh joe probably spent thousands uh, of pounds on- well you probably spent more than me over your america trips but my oh. student my first install of my student loan was like yes i'm gonna go yeah. and buy like most of the 2005 back catalog of ring of honor yes and <laughs> what else are you gonna do with that money i mean still paying on. it off now yeah. <laughs> yeah, i think i am too yeah i mean i looked at my paypal account once of just all the money i'd spent on dvds and t-shirts oh. Oh. It was absolutely ridiculous. Don't, don't do that. Imagine. Don't go back and look. It's not worth no, it. No, don't. Oh, I'm not going <laughs> to. Um, but yeah, no chance. The, thing, the horror. The thing with me, I, I kind of 
took it to that next level where I thought, oh, I'm a big wrestling fan. I, I could wrestle. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> but I tried my hand at a, a training to wrestle for a couple of years. I trained with GPW Grand Pro. I've talked about it on the Indie Corner flagship podcast mm. before. It didn't go particularly uh, far. I had a couple of, a uh, handful of, of job matches, but nothing too much to write home about. Um, went went home with a ball and cried for a little bit after, it didn't work after. <laughs> after about a year or so I was back watching indie wrestling again of course um, got, got oh, yeah. on the hall yeah I think that essentially my fandom became such that I've started now writing about wrestling and doing mm. these kinds of podcasts as well so people can find my articles on theindiecorner.com and we'll be contributing this podcast every month as well so yeah that's an extra uh, as you said there, there JP there's too much wrestling about and oh. we've just decided to start a podcast so we're now going to watch even more wrestling. Mm. It's a great idea, right? Why not? How can it go wrong? <laughs> exactly. Can't at all. <laughs> so that ties in then to our first segment today. So as I said, the first segment each month when we uh, do this podcast will be what we've been watching. And in this segment, in what we've been watching, we'll be going around the grounds and we'll be talking about the different shows that we've either attended in person or we've watched on VOD. So JP, if you want to go mm-hmm. first, what have you been watching this month? Well, the show I'd like to focus on is actually compl- it's it's a very it was a very small show, but it was for Forefront Wrestling, 4FW, and it was their debut at the Oxford Academy, uh, the school, not the O2, uh, in <laughs> Oxford. I know, very odd going into into a school um, for a wrestling show. Strange seeing Doug Williams just walk through the front of a school, just <laughs> trotting along with his big old bag, yeah, his exactly. way around. Yeah, it was it was very odd. Seeing as I'd taken my kids there for football practice, um, there was a crowd of about two hundred, and so it was very, very small, very family orientated. You'd have really thought of sort of um, all star promotions, and Brian Dixon had that kind of vibe to it. Very, very clearly defined heels and faces. Ex- oh yeah, yeah, old school, absolutely old school, and it was really enjoyable. I mean, um, to give you an overall idea of the kind of ambience about it you had these very mixed groups of people sat there so you kind of had us some of us kind of being very smart markish sort of sat over to the sides sort of being a bit more analytical and then you had tons of kids just running around (laughs) (laughs) interacting in the matches on the outside the york all security would have had a field oh my word would they i think even the electric ballroom (laughs) security would have kicked off for that they uh, and before I get onto the matches, just a just a, one of the incidents was at the interval halfway through, and these kids have been kind of wound up. Obviously, they they hadn't read this month's Observer newsletter. But what? They're not your kids, then? It's not my kids. <laughs> no, um, they were just running around the the ring, and then during the interval, they went in the ring, started doing moves. No one did anything at first, by the way. So just to raise that point for the F4W team, or the 4FW team even. Yeah, I knew it. someone had made that mistake. Yeah, it's, it was absolutely inevitable. Um, <laughs> for the 4FW team, the, 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 they need to keep an eye on it. Well, I mean, I don't think barricades necessarily would have been the best idea. Um, but also to say to the parents that they were kind of shocking. And not yeah, keeping the an parents eye on their were kids. just ignoring their kids while they were running around in the ring during the intermission. One of them did a high crossbody. Uh, Tanahashi would have been proud of that. It was a proper Absol- high fly flow. It really was. And it looked like he was setting up for the one to the back and possibly then yeah. the main one for the, the pin. The, the kid who he did it on 
like caught him as well. But he was like, a good he bass. Took, yeah, he was. He really was. He was like a Cesaro style bass, I've got to say. <laughs> he, These kids were like six or seven, I think. About six or seven. Yeah. And then Pollyanna. Um, for those of you who know Pollyanna, um, who's now retired, of course, um, primarily from Progress, she was in the audience and she had to run down to the ring to kind of tell them to get out of it, um, which was a somewhat of an incredible sight, really. Um, outside of that, when it went to the actual matches, they were really of a decent standard. So the opener they had was um, Mega Pegasus, who was very much sort of... Mars Luchador gimmick um, versus Crusher Lomax, who would remind you of his sort of big burly bruiser type. And they had a perfectly fine, fun match with every spot they had done absolutely worked. And that was really the theme of the show, where the matches themselves didn't overstretch, they're introducing it to a new audience, and the audience liked it, and they worked, and they got the desired effects. Um... Bubblegum was in the second match, um, beating Lion Kid, and he, I thought, was particularly outstanding. He really, his heel work was tremendous, and it worked completely for that audience, and it made me think he's been working clearly for Dixon for a very long time, because he had it down to a fine art. Well, that's interesting you say that about Bubblegum, because as soon as I saw his name on this card, I thought, Mm. family show perfect show for Bubblegum <laughs> to work his, his face character oh. I've seen him up uh, in the northwest as a he's you know the most comes out to uh, Hanson and Boppy used to in uh, yeah. up here I think he still does it on certain shows mm. and he's just the most likeable baby face in the world to the point where you wouldn't think it was the same person when he's uh, doing his heel rascal gimmick so was that what he was doing here he was uh, he very was that big time there was that great moment with that mum in the <laughs> audience and these kids were running up to him as he came out and the kids were sort of running over and he was sort of saying like, where's your mum kind of thing and then one of the mums come over to grab a couple of the kids and then Bubblegum sort of says on his entrance, are you his mum? And she said, uh, no, and uh, she says no and he sort of does a call me like uh, <laughs> signal with his hand and then just goes, actually on second thoughts, don't bother. <laughs> and like the way he did it was hilarious and his mm. mum was so riled up and so offended yeah. and it was like your classic kind of it almost felt a bit like the old kind of like grannies in the front row of world of sport yeah. with the brollies the way she was getting wound up oh, and absolutely. she was on it for the rest of the show oh, she was so het up for the rest of the show up, afterwards. Did she? it was it was hilarious really, absolutely <laughs> really uh, uh, just seeing people that kind of wound up is is brilliant and you and I just admired him for it and he had it and he had really good interaction with the kids as well um, so he was fantastic uh, they also had Doug Williams who, who lost to Sammy Sahin um, and Doug was very much doing his um, the almost his what would like you describe it gentleman gimmick gentleman yeah, gimmick but yeah. very much like I am the reason British wrestling is doing so yeah, well yeah. and he played it up perfectly um, there was also a nice match between the Saint and Lee Hunter, um, other Hunter Brunt, other Hunter brother. Hunter that could go wrong. Um, <laughs> sat behind us. Obviously, he's he's got a knee injury at the moment. Um, it was a nice match where both were working as a face, and then the Saint turned heel halfway through. Um, it was a, a really nice match. Um, and then in the final, in the main, you had Tiger Ali, who of course was one of the alternates for the uh, UK tournament, the WWE UK tournament. Um, and he defeated JD Knight 
uh, by pinfall. And again, you know, as you'd see on the second night when Tiger Ali wrestled Kenny Omega, more than capable. Um, and again, worked a really good match. Some great work on the outside from Rishi Ghosh and RJ Singh, who, along with Tiger Ali, formed the Three Kings, which is their heel, their heel yeah. stable. RJ Singh cut a good promo before the match oh, as well. Absolutely. Really riled the crowd up. He knew sort of a little bit about like the area that the show was in. Mm. So, and most of the people who were there were from the bigger state, I'd assume, that the yeah. uh, school's on. So he cut a great promo, basically slagging off the area, yeah. um, talking about how his wife is originally from the area and how they never return and how they've moved away from the area. Yeah. And that put everyone sort of on uh, the side of JD Knight immediately, mm. put heat on the heels, yep. and the kind of three against one with the two guys on the outside really worked in mm. this sort of setting, and people really sort of bought into it as well, mm. didn't they? Absolutely. Um, really bought into it, and it was nice because it was... All the matches were very different from each other. Of the five matches they had on the card, they were... Um, I mean, in the Saint and Lee Hunter, you had a very sort of ground-based... Um, technical match in terms of Mega Pegasus Crush Crush Alomics you had your sort of big man flyer dynamic you had Bubblegum and Lion Kid which was very much sort of playing on theatrics on the outside and even to a degree with Sami Sahin Doug Williams Gideon Gray which is much more of your sort of orthodox comedy match so each match had its own style and even though they were missing Cody Rhodes who wasn't there um, leading on to the show in Swindon where they got a hell of a replacement um, it was I can't see anything else but good things happening for them. I mean, it'll take a little bit of time, but I'm pretty sure if they come back and they've got the f- effective structure for a show you'd want. Well, I think that what you just said there, though, just ties into the second show. Because, I mean, Ooh. when you mentioned you, you were going to the show and you were saying about it being a family show, and even just looking at the cards of on Cage Match, you don't look at this show and go, you know who's probably going to be on one of their cards tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. The man who was in the best <laughs> wrestling match ever <laughs> from New Japan, Kenny Omega. I mean, how did that come about? Was the, so you, you went to, they were one night after another, weren't they? So it was the next yeah. night. It was, it was the Kenny next Omega. It was the next night. Um, it's now available on YouTube. Um, 4FW being very smart, putting that up, and the Q and A they held with Kenny Omega afterwards. And obviously, at so time of, at time of recording, we don't know where he's going to go. Um, fair play to him for dragging this out. <laughs> he's got us all thinking about it. Um, yeah, he's playing us all like fiddles. Isn't oh he? yeah, he, he is. is doing. He did observe a radio last week, didn't he? And he didn't really uh, yeah. give too much away either. And, and Jericho's he, podcast as well. He and, did as well. Uh, and Taz's as well. He's on the Taz. Yeah, show yeah, yeah. Um, so he was he was in the main event um, he'd worked for 4FW a year before really liked them I think he wanted to go somewhere and have fun he and faced Mark Haskins a yes. year ago in 4FW um, it was the night before the Rev Pro show with Marty and Osprey the mm. high stakes last year I've not seen the match apparently it's great and apparently he mm. loved working with Haskins and he loved working for 4FW as mm-hmm. well so apparently it was, it was a favour for his mate yep. or the, one of the promoters due to Cody Rhodes dropping off the shows mm-hmm. last minute um, sorry carry on mate no 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 um, just a really uh, not too much more to add to that I mean and so he came along and and it was more or less it was Kenny Omega doing which for those of you saw New Year's Dash was the kind of match he would work almost like a night off match so he would hint at doing the big spots but then on the outside RJ Singh and and Rishi Ghosh would be so he he was going to do the Terminator spot and as he's running the ropes they trip him they trip him up so it was a really good well worked match Nothing too excessive. The man deserves as much of a break as 
as anyone else in the mm. wrestling world. Um, and it was, and obviously for that one, they, they drew a good crowd. I'm going to say it's probably around, the, certainly in the 500 region, which I don't know how that compares with a lot of the other Swindon shows that they've done. Um, but certainly it's got people talking about them. Um, and it's a hell of a coup at the time of getting them as well. And obviously now they've got the Q&A, which is, which is up on there. Um, they also had another um, import that night in Dick Justice, who wrestles primarily for Wrestle Circus? Um, so he he fought Crusher Lomax that night, and the other real big notable event was Bubblegum beating Mega Pegasus to pick up the Four um, FW Junior Heavyweight Championship. Um, so I'd like to say Four FW going places. Yeah, it sounds like it. I think, like you said, I think the international attention even just for having kenny omega there i think yeah. uh, we'd be lucky if we get to see him anywhere else this year i mean you, oh, you yeah. dream of him you know doing a progress show or mm. you know, rev, up rev, pro. rev pro rev pro is the obvious yeah. one isn't oh, it? Yeah. people um, are constantly asking andy whildon when he's going to book book omega it seems to be him and abushi the two that get asked constantly yeah Oh. That match, that would be awesome. That would be. Then. Oh, oh. <laughs> they'd sell out. Oh, they need to go bigger than the York Hall. Yeah. Go Wembley Arena. <laughs> so, so for, for the, as far as those two mm-hmm. shows go, then, uh, JP, it's a, a recommendation from you, it sounds. You uh, think you're going to find yourself going back to their shows? Oh, definitely. Um, they're back in Oxford in, I believe it's May. Yeah. Um, and they've got apparently a form, a big former WWE superstar coming along so I'm intrigued to think who that is the big guy right <coughs> back um, <laughs> um, and so I'm definitely going to go along to that my kids loved it and they're kind of a barometer of how whether or not I think something's actually working so for example showing them Omega Okada they were getting into it mm. and I tend to think if it's good and it's working for them then there must be something right and they were they were into it and partly they were laughing at these kids running around and they, were, they were having a great time. They really were. They were um, enjoying their cans of Tango, packs of crisps as well. Exactly. It was a good night out for them. It was. It was a good night out. It was. Um, so I definitely recommend. Awesome. The, well, n- yes. Another thing to add as well, a little incentive, because Cody Rhodes dropped off. If you keep your ticket stub from this show, you get free entry mm. to the uh, show in June at the same venue that Cody Rhodes is going to be performing at. So yeah. essentially, we got two tickets for the price of one, which is a nice little touch as well from the promotion. Yep. A real, real good move. Yeah, so nothing but good things to say there about 4FW, yeah. not F4W. <laughs> I'm going to make several times, but yeah, <laughs> sounds like good stuff. Um, so continuing on with what we've been watching, uh, I'll go next. Going through with uh, this month where I've been, uh, I did go to the WWE UK shows, uh, but I'm not going to talk about them. What I'm going to talk about is in the afternoon of WWE UK. Mm. Now, PCW is run by Stephen Flutter who's got a mixed uh, <laughs> reputation <laughs> among wrestling fans, to say the least. He knows how to choose a champion. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. And he's, but he's nothing if not a, an opportunistic businessman. Um, mm. Knowing that WWE were running in Blackpool that day, he made sure that he booked a venue not far down the road to run an afternoon show. Fair um, play to domain. him. Why not? Yeah, why not? Indeed, why not? I mean, the, the other thing about him as well is that, as well as doing that, I don't know if you, you saw the news when, uh, you know, an ITV started doing the World of Sport, or when the news started coming up, ITV resurrecting World of Sport, hmm. uh, Flutter went out and uh, registered ITVwrestling.com. So if wow. you go to that URL, it will redirect you to PCW's shop. How awesome is that? Wow. Uh, <laughs> cynical. Yeah. Indeed, Wonderfully indeed. cynical. 
So yeah, you can. So you got to see PCW on the day WWE were there, and you can get to their website via ITVWrestling.com. But yeah, it was a, it was a really, it was a fun show. I mean, it was only a fiver. I think that's the, the biggest point, really. I think they they saw it as a way of uh, getting the word out about PCW. I mean, they don't quite have the buzz that they've had mm. in the last few years, mm-hmm. PCW. Um, but it's definitely a, a good opportunity to get some exposure for the brand and also some exposure for the trainees as well, a few of which were on the show. Uh, one other thing was that uh, Joanna Rose was intended to be the ring announcer as well, but as she was running late, Flutter himself uh, took up the duties. He, she he was flying back from a valve or something, was she? I think so. I'm not. I'm not quite <laughs> sure. Yeah, it was a bit of an odd one that she'd be there just for doing a, a PCW Blackpool show in front of. It was about 150 people. Um, oh, really? I was, was going to say before the, the weird thing about it was it was in this club called uh, Club Domain, and it was actually above a beer keller. So we had to go through beer cool. keller. Can't complain. Indeed, yeah, to get upstairs to this club domain. And to be honest, it was actually a, a really nice little venue for wrestling. It was small. But there was space for a ring. There was a bar right close, and yeah, it was a good way of uh, of seeing a small show. I'd I'd, I'd recommend if PCW. Uh, I, I don't know if they they do do shows in Blackpool. Uh, I'm not quite sure if that's their usual venue, but it definitely is a good one for uh, for small mm. scale shows. I mean, as far as the show goes, it was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, like I said before, there were a lot of trainees on the show mixed in with legit main roster people. They only really announced that uh, Lionheart, the Hooligans, and Bubblegum were were going to be on the show um so when we got there we didn't really know what to expect uh one uh, probably the best example of what the show was was the opening match was uh, the uk hooligans uh roy and zach knight otherwise known as uh, as pages uh, big brothers uh defeated two trainees jimmy J and seymour gaines uh seymour gaines which is a fantastic name doing a, a bodybuilder gimmick and my god i've never seen anything like it the hooligans absolutely murdered the two poor kids i can imagine it was just it was just brawling all over the place and it was chair shots and it was i don't want to say they were they were unprotected chair shots but right they were, they were very very harsh chair they shots, weren't nice they weren't nice no those two kids uh, definitely got a, a bit of a, a lesson there uh, that day i mean it, it was enjoyable um they won that the uk hooligans won that match with the doomsday device they were never losing there yeah uh, there were a couple of other trainee matches uh, a female match rio and jenny b which was was okay rio looked all right one of my favorite matches of the night there was a tag match with again i keep saying trainee i mean the the, the train the people who come through the training school and they are starting to get work on shows uh, it was a tag match it was dave birch and jack barron against james finn and philip michaels um, if you'd have told me the latter team, both of their names were Flippy McKick Pads, I would have believed you. It was just, it was all kicks, all flips. It was the kind of stuff that made me want to go back to wrestling school because it looked like they were having the absolute time of their lives. Um, <laughs> but it, it's good experience, isn't it, for 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 young wrestlers like that getting yeah. on a show where they're going to be mixing it up and, um, and yeah. getting a bit of experience. It's the same with the Rev Pro cockpit shows and the Portsmouth shows as well. They they put some of their trainees on the shows and they always have little fun matches on there as well, experience in front of a different sort of crowd as well. So yeah, I can see the point of doing it. Indeed. I mean, it's probably going to be the thing going forward, isn't it? The more WWE UK come over and start stealing all our talents, mm. I think everyone's going to need a, a training school, aren't they, to, mm. uh, <laughs> to produce the uh, the next generation of wrestlers so yeah it was a fun time i think the most uh, the difference was stark though when in mainly in the second half 
uh, we started getting the more experienced wrestlers. So after seeing those kinds of matches, when Ashton Smith comes out and faces Lionheart, no matter what you think of Lionheart, like I say, it was a it was another level of wrestling. It was like sure. watching a completely different sport. Yeah. Uh, they were really good. Uh, Bubblegum had a match with a, a surprise person there, Kenny Williams, um, which was awesome as well. Uh, but again, it was just it was a fun time. I mean, I can't complain. It was a fiver in. Yeah, Kenny Williams was, for a fiver. That's fine by me. Again, yeah, that makes sense. And it seems like with PCW being maybe on the outside of all this WWE UK stuff, which we'll we'll get into a little bit later in the show, mm-hmm. um, it seems like there, there's quite a few ITV guys on the show there. So maybe they're taking uh, that tact of these are guys that we can uh, continue to get back. But yeah, they, they ran two shows that weekend. That was the Saturday show. I did attend. Uh, I attended that. Uh, I believe they ran on the Sunday. It was the Sunday as well where they ran. Uh, and I believe that was a good show too. So overall, a, a good show for PCW. And it was, it was worthwhile. And it made a bit of a change from... We were there in Blackpool all day. So we got out of the arcade um, and out of uh, buying fish and chips and, and junk food all day and actually got to see some extra wrestling. So it was a, it was a fun little time. Excellent. Sounds good, mate. Yeah, indeed. Moving on then, uh, the other show that I was going to include in my what I've been, we've, uh, been watching, uh, what I've been watching, and it kind of slots into both of you guys because you were both there as well. Uh, Progress, mm. Chapter 42, Life, the Universe and Wrestling at the O2 Academy in Birmingham. It was a fun show. I, I had a yes. good time. I think maybe I enjoyed the VOD a little bit more when I watched it back because during the show i was trying to uh, i know you guys <laughs> i was trying to live tweet for the indie corner account indie corner should be grateful mate you were stressed i was literally halfway out the door with my hand out trying uh, to get a live tweet out there to get a photo oh, out so yeah you're very welcome there Stu. i managed to do that for you <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, was a, it was a fun show i think we all kind of went in with uh, low expectations didn't we mm, I mean, yeah that, definitely what were you guys kind of thinking going in? I mean, the card, it wasn't really up to much, was it? Going in, I think we were just a little bit confused because uh, I had a theory that we were going to get British Strong Style turning up at the beginning of the show in some way. Obviously, I was uh, being a bit stupid on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so from that perspective, maybe my expectations were a little too high because I thought we were going to get some like mad angle at the beginning mm. based on the tournament going on at the same time and British Strong Style. And it being Birmingham as well and those guys being like, I don't know, screw British Strong Style, Birmingham Strong Style essentially it was just just a real shame not to have those guys on the show but I thought progress got around their absence really well Um, I think the surprise of Riddle was great and Mm -hmm. even though the crowd didn't seem quite as familiar as Riddle sorry quite as familiar with Riddle as people did at the ballroom uh, there was still a decent contingent there who knew Riddle was who were really excited for the match and that alone I thought was seeing Matt Riddle's worth any ticket price I'd say yeah Definitely. Personally. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say that. I mean, it was essentially progress plugging gaps, really, on this show. I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. We probably should have been suspicious when you looked at the card. Uh, I think I used, when I wrote a review on it for the Indie Corner, I said that it was a bottom-heavy card. Yeah, yeah. it's a great way to put to it. Have, there was no obvious main event, was there? I um, thought Spud Paul in. Robinson was going to be... Well, I said that it's got to be a surprise main event, but I thought Spud Paul Robinson looked mm. like the the kind of default main event before going in it seemed to be I mean that seemed to be where they were plugging it yeah um, was very much the emphasis on spuds I mean we'd had a theory a little while ago that it was going to be Matt Riddle he he laid hints he was going to be in um, England on his birthday yeah and he, so we thought well, actually the dates kind of coincide when he mentioned about that mm. and then I think it was a while ago 
when when he'd actually tweeted that. So I think a lot by that point, a lot of people had actually forgotten that he was going to be there. Um, yeah. But I'm a proper Matt Riddle fanboy at the minute. I think we all are. You're Matt Riddle's like secret lover, aren't you? I well, think not so, so secret based on Saturday. <laughs> oh. Well, I think, yeah, it, it was Riddle and it was Definitely. the two uh, WWE assistant surprises. Yeah. I mean, that's yes. the other thing. I, I'd say that, you know, can WWE do this every time for progress if, if going mm. forward, you know, if we get more problems with uh, talent being pulled for WWE reasons, which, again, we may get into later. Yeah. Uh, on this occasion, you know, the, the, the opening thing was that Finn Balor came out. He's the friendly face of the make good department at WWE. You know, he did uh, a similar appearance, didn't he, hmm. at uh, ICW and... It's kind of like his tour of the indies in a way because he did yeah, OTT. OTT as well, didn't he? Oh, he did yeah, a couple yeah. of months ago. I, mean, I don't know if you guys know because the one thing I thought was really funny was the the bar staff when he came out. I mean, they'd just been kind of trundling along, not paying any attention to this, you know, this British indie wrestling stuff. As soon as Finn Balor came out, they all had the phones out trying yeah. to leave the bar and take photos. <laughs> it was a WWE star in in the O2 in Birmingham. Uh, so that was kind of funny to see. But yeah, I think, I think it, they were big was. Alistair Black fans as well. <laughs> the phones were out there. That was the other thing I noticed on Alistair Black. I don't think people really realised it was him coming out at first, did they? I think they maybe thought it might have been Dante. I think I turned and said, do you Dante, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. Uh, well, I think when I watched it, that was another thing when I watched it back on VOD. I thought it was interesting. That, I mean, the, the crowd reaction was huge and it, mm. it was so loud that the, the hard cam was shaking. Both wow. from that and from you know the music as well for uh, for him as well. So that, you know that was mm. awesome as well. But yeah, I think it was very much a show of plugging gaps. I mean, as far as matches go, I think you, you touched on it before. I think the main event was absolutely incredible. Yeah, uh, Matt Riddle, uh, he is a prodigy. I think everyone's gone into it a million times everywhere, so we won't go into it too much. But I think the the real strength of him is is just his matches feel like real fights. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They stand out. Uh, they're different to everything else on any card that I've seen him on so far. I've seen him four times. I saw him. In a, mm. I was lucky enough to see him in Evolve in the summer when I was on holiday in America, and he faced Timothy Thatcher. I'm not the biggest Timothy Thatcher fan. But the, the it was the best Timothy Thatcher match I've probably seen because mm. the match was just a fight essentially, and mm. it felt just, at times it felt real, it felt genuine. Mm. It was like he was working the match as if he was working in an in an MMA environment essentially. Mm. There was something completely different to it, something completely believable about it. Um, I think that's it, what uh, what sums him up. It's that real fight atmosphere. It's like did you did you see the Tetsujin shoot fire style stuff? I know was, of it. Uh, yes, I know of it. Last year, yeah, it was. It's like that. I mean, he was. I mean, in this match, he's coming out with the MMA-style strikes and submissions yeah. and working it in a very mm. realistic way. And Rampage in response, I mean, he was more of your professional wrestler, but it was realistic clotheslines yeah. and power bombs. It was like it was a real clash of styles. I want to see Riddle Minoru Suzuki badly. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, that would be a match. It, it is. He's at the moment. He's it's a really interesting position from a, a political point of view that he's he's because he's kind of unattached if that makes any sense. And that means, you know, the idea of him working progress, and as we'll talk about later on Rev Pro, mm. you've got a guy, a, an American star, at the kind of real rise of his career, and he's doing lots of British indie wrestling. I mean, he's done IPWK a, a, a few times as well. You know, really, we're so lucky to have him over here on a, on a semi-regular basis. Absolutely, and he's he's endearing himself to to every crowd that you know that gets to see him. Mm. Um, I mean, that's another point as well. The crowd in the match. I mean, it, like you said, it, maybe it wasn't as, as loud as a reaction as he got in London. Mm. Um, and the other thing I'd probably say, I mean, it, it got loud through the match, and you know, yeah. people really got into it. Um, but I don't think 
the way his matches seem to finish because he does treat mm-hmm. it like a like mm-hmm. a real fight. The finishes kind of come out of nowhere, yeah. can't they? And I, yeah. I noticed on this match, I mean, the crowd was still in the middle of uh, Julian yeah. Chance I as think... he's uh, nailing on Rampage's head and, and getting the tap out. I don't think people quite yeah. saw that finish was coming. My only criticism of the match, I would love, I would have liked him to have done a, a stoppage, um, yeah. like a technical knockout style stoppage, um, while he was doing the the uh, boots to the head instead, mm. rather than him going to the pinfall because I think it would have I know it's like establishing the whole finish out of nowhere but I also think introducing like technical knockout to the Atlas division as well might set that division apart a little bit again and it shows that there's a variety of ways that those sort of matches can end kind of like the Daniel Bryan elbows um, during his Ring of Honor title reign when he introduced that and matches started ending with those elbow shots Mm -hmm. and at first I was kind of like oh that's knew that's different but it worked and he got it over and I feel like that's something Riddle would have been able to establish and get over if they went with that uh, TKO mm-hmm. indeed yeah I mean I've got some questions about progress booking in some ways but in this mm-hmm. case I thought it was a perfect example of why the promotion's so good yeah. because as you said you, you've had I mean Rampage has been you know he's, he's established the belt now he's done a great job of establishing the belt he gave whether you loved every match he was in that those Atlas matches gave something different to every car that he was on so now he's set the atlas belt up and who better than matt riddle to take the belt now and take it to that next level like you say give it that that legitimacy he's going to be defending it across the world he's working uh mike elgin's glory pro isn't he um, oh he's yeah yes against mike elgin himself yeah. and if he continues to do that and take the you know the belt around with him I what think that's date is that thing. show Ooh, I'm not too sure. What are you thinking? Uh, might be Mania. Well, I'm wondering, uh, is uh, is Elgin going to be? Uh, I, d- I don't think he's going to be Naito, uh, New Beginnings. But is no. Matt Riddle going to defend the Atlas Championship against the New Japan Intercontinental Champion? Ooh, that's interesting as well. Oh, yeah. 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 You so can see the political minefield yeah. opening up with that one. <laughs> you can. I mean, you mentioned before, JP, that he, mm. he's unattached. I think there's, there's something of a flow slam contract there with him. Right, but it just yeah. means he can work all the flow slam companies and oh because he did IPW yeah. UK yeah, as well didn't he this weekend and back yeah. before Christmas I think he faced did he face Zack Sabre Jr. in IPW as well yeah that's right I remember seeing something about him being the face the face of flow slam that was the one <laughs> That's it, yeah. I mean, other notable things from the mm-hmm. show, I mean, we touched on it as well. Uh, we thought, like you say, you guys thought maybe it could have been the main event. Spud came in. I thought he did a good job. I oh, think, yeah. yeah. I think it, there was a lot of pandering, wasn't it? Very Cody Rose yeah. uh, style get up. He came. I mean, the whole thing started with it. It was him and Paul Robinson, and Paul Robinson had said on Twitter over Christmas that he wanted the Brummy to beat up. <laughs> Uh, enter Spurs and yeah, National Front there. March on Birmingham that day. <laughs> Dude, yeah, he, he came out. In, <laughs> he came out in full-on progress gear, progress yeah. pads, progress everything. That'd cost think, a few quid, wouldn't it? I know, I know. I mean, he was kissing the mat at the end of the match, kissing his parents. The fans were singing his music. I mean, I think to any more jaded crowd, <laughs> it could have posed an issue, but yeah. it worked, didn't it? And you can't absolutely. Really criticising for I suppose, it I, mean, I suppose it was kind of like the hometown hero coming back to his hometown established after his time in TNA to some extent he's got a cracking tan as well yeah that's very true he lives I in mean, Nashville doesn't he oh I think so probably yeah. sun in it oh absolutely yeah I, I think he was great and I think Paul Robinson's a really underrated heel oh yeah. I think I really like enjoy his work. I mean, this match oh, played yeah. to both strengths. It was Robinson beating him down with his stomps and his slaps and his belt whips and his gross-out spitting spots and yeah. all that stuff. That and was just, vile. That it was. Spitting but it's spot. just 
He's the scariest wrestler working in the UK right now, if you ask me. I'm legitimately scared of Paul Robinson. Yeah. Even when he comes out and he's like quite a distance from me, I think I don't want to go anywhere near that bloke. Like he gen- genuinely scares me. He really does, he, and I think the fact he's well, I'm from Enfield and he's from Essex. I think there's there's something about that that he reminds me of going to clubs in Essex <laughs> and Ill, places like Ilford and Romford, under bridges in Clacton, maybe under bridges <laughs> under the piers. In yeah, Clacton. yeah, cracking times. Yeah, I, I just I love a bit of provincial hill heat as well. That's what I love about UK wrestling as well. Zach Gibson being the prime example, uh, bringing sort of regional accents. Uh, what we kind of associate with certain regions of the UK into wrestling. I'm a big Liverpool fan, mate. Slayed them last night, you know. But uh, what more can I say? But yeah, I think bringing stuff in like Paul Robinson's mm. kind of is a kind of pseudo nationalist gimmick without saying it. Really, it's kind of like as far as you can go without saying it I find but mm. it works it really works him coming out with the Essex flag with the swords on as well it's great uh, yeah I can't I, wait to see Osprey doing that gimmick oh well. same awesome. I'm so excited for it I'm so glad that turn has come that's really I mean one of the great things about watching Unboxing Live before obviously the show before this one chapter 42 um Oh, sorry, chapter 41 from Boxing Live um, is that fantastic heel turn and associate, you know, getting back with Paul Robinson yeah. as completely. Soon as, as soon as his music hit, I was yeah. like, this is it. This is where the turn's happening. And it was like, yes, this is what I've wanted to see for a while. And it just made that whole um, that whole kind of year, really, mm. with Osprey losing constantly, make so much sense. It was a culmination of a an interesting year of essentially dream matches but dream matches of an overarching storyline mm. makes sense uh, great booking on progress's part I think with that which feeds into what you were saying Benno about you know sometimes it can be somewhat frustrating with their booking but when they get it right they get it right big time yeah, and I think this is a perfect example. I think it's somebody's going to have to call uh, Uncle Dave Meltzer because uh, he was criticising the, uh, the losing streak, wasn't he, of Osprey? And I think it, it, it's all come to make sense now. And I think it's just going to... I mean, have you seen any of Osprey's heel work? I think in, I've seen uh, it in WCPW, yeah. That's right, yeah. I, I've seen him cut a couple of promos and he, he seems comfortable. I, I, could, I yeah. think we could see really good things. I watched Osprey and B Priestley against um, Ricochet and Tessa Blanchard yesterday, mm. actually. Really fun little match. Uh, they work Osprey and Ricochet work a lot of their signature spots in with the two girls as well and you've got uh, B Priestley doing like they're doing like dual, uh, cheeky Nando's kicks and stuff and Osprey's there with his boxers showing and he's wearing a pair of next boxers like I, th- I just thought that was a genius little touch a pair of like you know regular high street boxers that he's showing off like this kind of cheap arrogant heel it, it, it's great I'm really looking forward to it in progress and it gives him the chance as well to work a different style and please God will work a somewhat more relaxed style and not yeah. try to, to kill himself as much. That that would be greatly appreciated. I think we'd all appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all want to see more of Will Ospreay as the yeah. years go on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, tying into this show, I mean, that was another mm-hmm. name. Osprey was missing, Skirl was missing. And I think Progress really did a great job of, of pulling it out. Uh, making it a memorable uh, debut in Birmingham. Uh, decent matches up and down the card. Nothing particularly uh, stand out other than the main event. Uh, I did enjoy the uh, Sebastian Jack Sexsmith match. I thought that was a nice little. Oh, I love uh, a bit yeah, of Sebastian. Like... <laughs> I might be the only one, but oh no, it's me too. I was gonna, t- I was gonna talk about this, and I wasn't sure, but I'm gonna bring it up now. I think Sebastian. I mean, 
his character essentially it's internet trolls. Oh it? yeah, and yeah. It, but it works so well. It works gets, so so well. He gets. Re- I mean, in an age where it feels like we're all playing along with heat. Um, with him when he comes out it feels just more visceral yeah. it feels we're not playing along I think there is genuine hate there for him and I know he splits opinion I know there's people say things like did you notice when uh, when Sex Smith and his match was announced people were saying loads of tickets went on sale yeah on yeah <laughs> and loads of people go to the bar when his matches were on but I would challenge that in that in that I mean you were both there with me yeah I felt like that match got as big a reaction as any match oh on the yeah card. definitely and absolutely it speaks to Sexsmith's popularity, but I think it, it, it says something about the Sebastian as well, whether you're a, a big fan of him in Ringo or not. He definitely uh, commands a response, doesn't he? Yeah, without a doubt. As soon as, as soon as his music hits, I always get kind of excited yeah. because I get excited to hear and see what other fans around me are going to say and what they're going to do. So at Unboxing Live, when he, Sebastian came out and he was uh, squirting water all over the flat fans, someone got a bottle of water and threw in the ring at Sebastian and he lost his shit which then resulted in Jim Smallman having a sort of uh, sort of signalling no under no circumstances don't do that to the fans but to get yeah. that sort of response I was like yeah. you know what fair play he's done his job there he, he really, really has. has I'm I even so. kind of I mean, liking his music which is an M- awful M- M- thing to admit public. and no it's terrible now you've picked the theme for the opening to this part oh, 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 I'm excited now oh yes well, I think the other thing I'd say as well is we might turn people off with that though <laughs> but when he hit that un- that twisting unprettier move it was like a like a double yeah. twist on the unpretty I was yeah. like that's a move so pretty the only thing he's doing that for is to troll it's a it's like yep. the most troll move I've ever seen <laughs> to be like yeah, see I can do your fancy moves as well um, but yeah I think a big part of the match was Sexsmith's popularity as well I think that played in I think again if you even if you're not into the Eva and Sebastian storyline mm. with you know Eva refusing to you know to fight back and Sebastian slapping him I think that moment when and I expect we'll probably all be there at the electric ballroom when that happens when Eva when William Eva snaps and hits Sebastian the pop's going to be huge, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Indeed. I, so, yeah, I enjoyed that. That kind of rap filled out the undercard. And, yeah, overall, it was a good show, uh, a good de- debut in Birmingham for progress. And it's, it's a good venue because it's, it's right in the middle of the country and it means yeah. uh, everyone from up north like me and, uh, and down south like yourselves, we can all kind of get there. And it's a, it's a great little uh, place for progress to run shows. Absolutely. Good venue. And also, as well, there's a, there is an upstairs. So there is that potential to get the crowd up to about eight 900. I don't know whether or not that'd be a licensing issue, but it's really good venue. Mm. Indeed. Well, to round up then the uh, the what we've been watching, Joe, uh, what have you been watching this month? Um, so I was going to go through the Attack Club Pro uh, Wrestle House, which is a joint show between Attack and Fight Club Pro. So this was my first time seeing uh, Fight Club Pro live. I've seen them on uh, VOD before. First time seeing any Attack. Um, and I'll tell you what, it was a great time. Um, I went on a whim. I was sat at home on a Saturday night. My girlfriend was out. I didn't have a lot going on. And I saw uh, people tweeting about it and thought, right, Wolverhampton, Google Maps, Hour and 36 minutes, bell time, 7pm. So I got in my car and uh, did 100 all the way to Wolverhampton, basically, and managed to get there uh, as the first match had just started. So I, I 
timed it perfectly. It cost me a tenner as well. It's a great value for money. Uh, the Fission Warehouse, where it was held, mm-hmm. one of the more unique venues I've ever watched wrestling in, I'll say I that. I really want to go there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the atmosphere really was just like nothing I'd ever experienced at a show before. Because um, it's all, st- well, there's a little bit of seating, but it's mostly standing. Um, and there's just, you're sort of squashed in with other fans, you're all on top of each other. And there's this kind of, it sort of felt like you were part of the show to an extent as well, because of the way the whole building was structured. So you've got Trent Seven just walking around, chatting to people, saying hello to people. And it gives it a kind of like homely feel. I miss Trent Seven's uh, pre-show talk, which I was pretty gutted about because I love a bit of Trent. Um, But once doesn't love a bit of Trent? Who doesn't? He had this harem of women just around him at one point as well. It just seems like that man's charisma is uh, projecting and all sorts of ways. Oh yeah. Oh very well. And he knows how to rock a pair of trainers as well. Man knows a good pair of crepes. Oh yeah. Yeah, he had some good Air Maxes on that night. Oh, good. That's all right. <laughs> should be, I shouldn't be perving on wrestlers' trainers. It's a little bit weird, that, isn't it? Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I just perv on their T-shirts. I'm such a T-shirt, Mark. The actual... Not. <laughs> yeah, sorry. The actual show, though, uh, really good variety show as well, I thought. Good good roster, good mix of both uh, both companies' rosters as well. So the first match, you had Chris Brooks and Kid Lycos, CCK, uh, defeating Mark Andrews and Ryan Smile. Really fun opener, um, dives to the outside, lots of interaction with the fans. So straight away, really drew the fans in, really got them into it. Uh, sort of changed pace completely after that with the uh, Tommy Dreamer uh, versus Raven match with Drew Parker carrying on the whole ECW um, ended up in a bingo hall in 1994 in Philadelphia gimmick that he's had yeah. going attack. So <laughs> you've got Drew Parker as Raven in the ring and then Tommy Dreamer's, I'm pretty sure it was Tommy Dreamer's WWE music hit. And I didn't kind of pick up on it at first. I was like, ah, okay. And then Clint Margera appears as Tommy Dreamer. Um, so this was great. They <laughs> recreated some good spots of ECW matches that I remember vaguely in Raven Dreamer matches from the 90s. Um, really good fun. But the end of the match ended with uh, heel referee Shay Purser low-blowing Clint Margera um, and counting his own free count to win the attack I can't think of the name of the title their their version of the 24-7 WWE hardcore title basically yeah yeah yeah. Um, so he runs out to a chorus of boos I was cracking up I've got to say because it was just so out of the blue and this this comes around later in the show Uh, you've then had uh, uh, Damien Dunn as Chief Deputy Dunn uh, who uh, he lost to a Maury. I got to say, Damien Dunn, I was really impressed with it. Um, I've seen him in progress live quite a few times and always thought he looked solid, but there's just something missing. And a lot of the guys from that sort of area and work for those sort of promotions are just a, just a step ahead of him. But here, he got to show a lot more character as Chief Deputy Dunn, and he really got to interact with the crowd a lot more. Um, and it, I think the gimmick is going to help him learn long term um, and help him put more mm. character across in his matches. Someone I'd like to see get another opportunity in progress once guys start going to the WWE, really. Mm. And I'd be confident in 
giving him another go based on what I saw here. Um, then you had the main event, or what was originally meant to be the main event, of Dan Maloney, first time seeing him live, and Pete Dunn, who beat Mustache Mountain. This was great. Uh, Mustache Mountain, I think, maybe the best tag team in the UK last year. This was another, a great way to start the year for Mustache Mountain, but this match, first of all, uh, really intense, really intense, great atmosphere. Trent and Tyler are hugely over, hugely over in... Uh, <clears throat> In Fight Club Pro. Yeah, really over. Uh, The end of the match came when Shea Purser, the heel referee and current, or at the time, uh, attack hardcore champion. I can't remember the name of the title. Sorry. I think it's the Attack 24-7 title, I think it is. I'll remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Yeah, when he was uh, counting the three, he stopped at two when Trent at the match won. Uh, This led to Joel Allen interfering and going a bit crazy on Persa. Uh, then there was a sort of real sort of post-match kind of antics and Joe Allen was being sort of quite intense, showing a bit of fire, getting involved uh, mm. and took his top off and oh my sort God. of flexing his muscles. Shape. Oh yeah, he was looking good. He was looking good and he was appreciating the compliments he was getting from the crowd as well. i got to <laughs> say, <laughs> as far as... Uh, charismatic referees go he's possibly the most charismatic referee I think maybe I've, I can re- recall in any promotion previously um, even more so than Danny hmm. Davis at Wrestlemania <laughs> he might be in contention there but you can tell they're utilising some of that charisma and character that he's, he's kind of got um, and then this well, basically what happened next was Trent announced that they were going to have a six-man tag match with Shea Purser joining uh, CCK and uh, Joe Allen joining forces with Mustache Mountain. Um, this led to this sort of confusing situation where you don't have a referee for the match. So Trent's walking around with Joe Allen's referee shirt and he's offering it to members of the crowd. First person he looked at, weirdly, was, was me. And I'm sort of <laughs> thinking... I, I haven't seen it back, but I don't know if you could see me on the VOD, but I'm thinking... I is, did spot you. Yeah. I'm thinking, is he offering that to me? Or is he offering... Would, go on, I was mate. Gonna say, that, that would make for a fantastic podcast. That, if it <laughs> I, I, oh, I was like... to get you in there next time. Um, if, if only I had the most of it. But I'm looking behind me and I'm thinking, no, he's, he's offering that to me. I look back and he's moved away. Obviously, I didn't snap it up quick enough. And he's gone over to uh, the other side of the ring and he throws it on a guy called... Uh, he didn't seem to know the guy's name and says... Warren, you're going to referee the match. Drags this Warren guy into the ring. He's got two blondes of him who seem to be losing their shit when Warren jumps in the ring. Uh, Warren looks really confused, puts the referee shirt on, uh, bell rings, he looks a bit out of sorts. And then we get a six-man tag that uh, sort of was maybe the most absurd match I've ever seen live. Uh, Joe Allen, I'm sure, must have had some form of training because... <laughs> oh, it, definitely, yeah. That yeah. was a crack and snap suplex. Like one that Eddie Guerrero would be proud of that he threw in there at one point. I was like, wow, like... It's Quite impressive. So Alan on offense, he was all right. Dived to the outside at one oh. point as well, and it was super impressive. I mean, I, I think that about most referees, though. To become a referee, you probably will have gone through a, yeah, a wrestling training yeah, school at yeah, some point. And with him having a hand in the the suplex brand, doesn't he? He's quite yeah, involved yeah. In lots mm. of facets of wrestling. But yeah, I think it's funny you mentioned that Joe Allen's maybe the most charismatic referee you've seen. But how about Warren? I thought he uh, he did quite a good job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Considering it seemed like he'd just been thrown in there randomly and it didn't seem like he was a plant. No, uh, I didn't think so either. He was. He pulled it off. He was doing all right. So uh, we get this bizarre match that takes place that by this point the crowd are just sort of losing it because they're just really kind of like, what the hell am I actually seeing here? Uh then the end of the match comes when Joe Allen pins Shea Persa. I've got to say, Shea Persa can really bump as well. I was quite impressed with him as kind of a sneaky little heel. Um, yeah, he does. He, does uh, he used to wrestle under another name. I keep meaning to look it up. I can't remember what the name was, but he's definitely worked matches. I don't know if he still does. He looks super um, young as well. Yeah, he's super looks young, it, doesn't he? Yeah. But um, yeah, the end of the match occurs. They announce Joe Allen is the Attack 24-7 champion. Joe Allen starts posing like The Rock uh, <laughs> with his title <laughs> belt, making the most of this weird situation. And then both Trent and Tyler look at each other uh, and punch Joe Allen in the face. He falls to the floor and they throw Warren <laughs> on top of... Uh, on top of Joe Allen, where we get a free count. I can't remember if it was Trent using Warren's hand or the other way round. But yeah, we get a free count and Warren is announced as the new champion. And we get uh, scenes reminiscent of Bret Hart at WrestleMania 10, where the <laughs> whole f- babyface roster comes out and puts Warren on their shoulders, followed by a Stone Cold style beer bash with a load of cans of Carlsberg, which was uh, good fun as well, and a bit of a, a bit of a dance <laughs> to some like modern club tune. I had no idea what it was. Um, all in all, a bizarre, very cheap and very worthwhile night. I got to say, yeah, it was really well, good fun. I would definitely think- recommend going again. Yeah, that's the thing about Attack and Fight Club Pro. They're both, you know, affordable as far as live shows go, but they're both very accessible online as well. Mm, I mean, yeah. you can. I think. I think the show's up there for five now. I'm just checking that right now. Benno, I think Ryan Smile was actually drinking. I think it was a Sprite, was it? Yeah, I don't yeah. Think he's a drinker, um, but it was just it was crazy watching it. Just thinking, I like you said, it's not like this. Warren was, you know, somebody who was a plant or it was the idea beforehand. It does genuinely look like it's just something they came up with yeah. on the fly. And it's just a, <laughs> just a piece of absolutely brilliant book. And it just, it sums up Attack, doesn't it? I know this was a joint show, but that's, that's just the MO of uh, Attack Pro Wrestling, isn't it? To do something wacky like this. Because I do know on the next show, they carried on and Warren came out in a suit and was announced as the Attack 24-7 champion and they ran some okay. sort of angle with it. So <laughs> that I've made me think afterwards, hold on, was he a plant? Because he, if he wasn't, his acting, was certainly like quite accomplished and <laughs> how do you, I mean if you're the promotion how do you even guarantee he's going to be there next show I think he is someone who I think he's, I think he's on Twitter as at Brit Indy I'm pretty sure that's right, him right okay uh, and I think maybe they just, they know he's a fan who's going to come back so it wasn't like he was going to do a runner with the belt I know sure uh, we talked earlier about the uh, the progress show in in Birmingham, and the I think they were looking for their uh, musical chairs champion. I'm not sure if they actually managed to uh, track him down. The man oh, who really? Uh, yeah. So I don't know if they were looking to do something similar, <laughs> but that's it. I mean, Attack. I, I definitely recommend it's a promotion that really it's only in the last 12 months that I've started to get into. And same with Fight Club Pro. Really, yeah. I just think they've been real benefits over, over the last year of the rise of the, the online streaming service yeah, and their most profile. Definitely. I think the, Vim, the Vimeo uh, kind of um, format that they're using is just so easy as well because, mm. you know, I use Vimeo probably a couple of times a week to watch uh, bits and pieces and if it's just there kind of, you know, at your disposal, it's so easy. And that's when you really think about it, what is it, three ninety nine? is it they charge for some shows as well? Uh, 5 99 just having a look on their Vimeo Sorry, page mate. now. 
um, yeah. on vimeo.com forward slash attack pro wrestling. Um, 5.99 for their last show uh, that I can see on there, and that's on the 18th of Jan. Got it. Um, but there is, in terms of their social media profile, we've got attackprowrestling.bigcartel.com as well. And that's, I think it's Fight Club Pros, uh, uh, is it fightclubpro.bigcartel as well? Yes, I think they're it all is, sort yeah. of on the same. Uh, on the same big cartel type brand, I think, yeah. Yep, definitely. Well, yeah, a strong recommendation from all of us then, really, for those two mm-hmm. promotions, and uh, especially for uh, for this joint show. So uh, seek it out through those means, as we've just said. So that pretty much sums up our what we've been watching section. What we'll do now is we'll take a, a quick break, uh, just for a message from Stu at the Indie Corner, and then we'll come back and we'll look at our featured review, which will be Rev Pro High Stakes 2017. guys just want to tell you about your fight site vld it's a wrestling on demand uh, site features over 250 hours of content for more promotions such as pro wrestling chaos britannia wrestling promotions three count wrestling triple x wrestling and more uk wrestling on demand will get you some promotions for a set price but every title can be rented for a price of its own as well new content will be added weekly so head over to vld.yourfightsite.com that's Hi guys, just want to tell you about squaredcircle.com, the best wrestling apparel direct from parts unknown, including t-shirts, sportswear, bags, hats and more, endorsed by the UK's top talent including Noam Dar, Grado, Will Ospreay and Shah Samuels, head over to squaredcircle.com. They're supporting the Indie Corner right now, so please show your support and go over there and give them a visit. Okay, and welcome back to the show. Okay, we're now into our, our main segment. This is our featured review. Now, before we take a look at the Rev Pro High Stakes show, I thought it'd be worthwhile, as they're our spotlight promotion this month, just to get a little bit of background on where Rev Pro stand as we move into 2017. So, Joe, I mean, you get to quite, a, as do you, JP, you get to quite a lot of the shows live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did 2016 look like for Rev Pro, and uh, where are they at the moment? I think 2016 was their biggest year to date really um it's a big 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 year for the company um they increased the amount of cockpit shows that they were doing i think they ran eight last year mm-hmm. i think they're trying to run 13 this year i think they're trying to make it a monthly attraction they're selling season tickets to cockpit shows this year yeah. um, they're getting quicker online as well aren't they, they are yeah shows, which is a big thing because i think it was in 2015 especially and some last year as well it took ages to get some of the stuff online because they were using it as like a tv taping platform with a youtube right. show for a little bit and then they sort of changed the format but didn't really update on what had happened with that format so it was all a bit confusing um the cockpit shows are really good fun though um so i am sort of looking forward to running a few more because it looks like they're really putting some money into them this year as well and uh, 
that looks like they're getting better British or more British talent in as well. So the last one that I went to, you had Zach Gibson making his debut in Rev Pro. Um, you had some good guys like Dave Mastiff who have been brought back, Eddie Dennis who have been brought back. Trent mm-hmm. Seven looks like, or looked like, I should say, he was going to become more of a regular. Tyler yeah. Bate was on the show as well, and he looked like he was about to become a regular, but that looks like it's probably not going to happen now. Um, so yeah, they're really kind of uh, building those shows up a little bit more. We've got Riddle, at the uh, March 5th one Jeff Cobb Dave Mastiff as well so that's that's a pretty stacked show for a venue that takes what 100 Riddle in a venue with 150 people is going to be awesome like I can't wait for that show um, but going back to their 2016 they ran five York Hall shows last year which is the most they've ever ran in one year and then you got a show in June July and August so the mm-hmm. huge summer really big summer and I'm assuming because I've been wondering about um, sort of money finance and Rev Pro how are they affording to put more cockpit shows on and how are they affording to bring in some of the talents they're bringing in for shows that are so small um, I think that's an interesting question but I mean, it could tie in, couldn't it, to the the on demand? I mean, I know that yeah, yeah, they've recently started uh, having more custom themes for the talent, and yeah. I think yes. when asked, Andy Quilden was saying that it it there comes a point, doesn't there, with uh, licensing fees that mm. once you've got too many subscribers, it just becomes unattainable to spend. So maybe sure. they've been having a successful year from that point. I think the, the New Japan relationship certainly helped as well. Most it? definitely. I think that's led them to being quite a kind of um, critically acclaimed promotion as well because they've really found their place within like the sort of British indie and kind of the world indie wrestling sort of marketplace really by being able to put sort of unique matches on that no one else is able to put on. Mm-hmm. Riddle Shibata being the latest one of Obviously, and then stuff last year like like Vader Osprey, um, Zach Angle, really sort of unique matches. The Vader Osprey thing, I think, of York Hall shows that I've attended, they they usually sold out. And they usually sell out in sort of a reasonable time. It looks like the next ones at the advance, and it's the biggest since the Angle Zach match. But at the Vader show, it looked like they'd squeezed. I don't know if this was just me, but it looked like they'd squeezed more people into that venue than they had previously. Um, There wasn't a lot of room to move in the venue uh, during that show, which made it even more sort of intense and gave the the sort of feel of the Vader Osprey feud and the match like that little bit more, I thought, because you felt really closed in. Um, And York Hall's just a great venue to watch wrestling in as well, to be honest. So. that uh, Vader match, I know Progress kind of turned their nose up at doing that mm. match, and they outright said, "No, no, we're not going to be capitalising on this." But I, I mean, I suppose that there might have been some long-lasting effects on, you know, Osprey obviously losing that match with Vader. But you're right, as, as a one-night piece of business, it, yeah. it, it did generate quite a bit of buzz didn't it It was the talk of the town and, and honestly I don't think he lost anything from it I think we all knew what was going on our reactions at the end of the match as well spoke volumes <laughs> people knew exactly what had happened it was very obvious Osprey's promo where he spoke in kind of cryptic terms about like taking a fall uh, sort of gave that away as well and I think as a unique matchup, like a sort of weird kind of generational uh, sort of matchup contest where you've got these two guys that have completely different philosophies, thoughts and kind of uh, kind of uh, perspectives on the business. Uh, it was kind of like the ultimate kind of generation versus generation match in a weird way. And really, 
the way that it was the way the feud kind of came about via the internet sort of speaks volumes about the time we're living in and about the wrestling world that we're currently living in as well um, so I think on, I know that the Rev Pro got criticism from some quarters for putting the match on but I think as a smart bit of business and as a really unique match that has sort of provided many an anecdote in the British wrestling scene since I think it was a really decent match really smart piece of business really decent match to put on and also I thought Osprey as well even though Osprey was obviously carrying the match and Vader could hardly move working in these different environments with these different sorts of talent it's only going to help him improve as well and it's only going to make him uh, look more diverse as a talent as well it was essentially a, an angle stretched out over a match and he's got experience of being involved in kind of heated intense angles I know he had that with Jimmy Havoc as well but it's just a cut, cut in my opinion it's another notch on his belt and it's another thing to show just what a, what a great worker he is essentially um Sorry, kind of went off on a bit of a tangent no, there. I think you're right, though. It's kind of it's it's attention, isn't it, on the promotion? And exactly. The other big thing that's given attention to the promotion, uh, they, they ran again the Global War shows, didn't they? Yes. Uh, in conjunction with New Japan, I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, we've touched on it a little bit through the podcast. You know, all this uh, WWE UK upheaval, mm. and it looks like progress on ICW and OTT seem to be firmly on the uh, the side of WWE. Mm. But I do like mm. that Rev Pro seem to be on the the outside a little bit and yeah. they seem to have although they've got a good relationship with WWE uh, which we'll get into on you know some of the booking they were allowed mm. to do on this show they seem to be family on the team Kadani don't they uh, and I think that's yeah. probably the right choice I would say so I mean in terms of the in terms of the merch sales as well when going to the global war shows I mean seeing LIJ surrounded by people to the point where there's really no point queuing. You're going to be there for almost a good hour after after the main event. And it's all kind of merch that's being sold, sort of little cold skeleton um, wristbands and the like. Mm. Um, it's, it's interesting that the kind of talent that they're getting it kind of means that they're not heavily, as heavily reliant or not facing those inevitable booking problems that everyone else is going to have mm. when, you, when you've got that many guys who are going to be contracted to either ITV or WWE in that sense. I think that they're, they're, they've kind of managed to sort of, you know, sort of um, discover, this, discover this niche. And at the same time, it seems to be one of the things Joe said about the growth in 2016 is there were more. There was at least sort of two New Japan guys on each of the cards beforehand. There would be there would be primarily, let's say, a Tanahashi, and then that would be it. But they're actually bringing over two or three, and then you've got the case of Osprey Shibata um, wrestling at New Beginning. Um, for the for the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Title, well, yeah. how cool was it to see yeah. the, the yeah. Rev Pro Title on New Japan World on these big shows? Oh, yeah. with, well, all the world is watching. Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely starting to look like a, a very fruitful uh, relationship. And <laughs> continuing along that re relationship, we had a couple of uh, New Japan stars on this show. Mm -hmm. So the show that we're going to be reviewing is uh, Rev Pro's. One of the probably the biggest show of the year, High Stakes 2017. Uh, I believe uh, the both of you were there live. I watched we it on you were. I watched it on uh, on VOD. Um, so from a live perspective, I mean, just to let us know what's what's your your call like for a live show. I know there was a lot of talk online about the uh, the fan reactions to certain matches on this show. I mean, how did it play as a as a live show? So I I pers my two favorite venues to watch wrestling in anywhere in the world are the Ballroom and York Hall. Uh, and that includes venues I've been to in the US as well. I've unfortunately never been to Japan or Mexico um, or Germany. But 
I've got to say, York Hall as a venue, uh, it's I think it's got a kind of Hammerstein or Manhattan Centre type feel mm. with the balcony, the upstairs bit. And then if you're on the floor as well, uh, it's quite an intense venue. So you're kind of packed in and there's little room to move when you sat down. Uh, but we often try to stand. Uh, we buy tickets and then often try and stand up. A <laughs> little, little bit cheeky, but we get great views unless the security sit us down. Yep. Uh, and the views that you get stood up are absolutely amazing. So you can see everything. You can take everything in. You can look up on the balcony. And because of the balcony level as well, it feels like you are kind of on top of the action. Mm. So it feels like the fans are right on top of the wrestlers and right on top of the talent. So that they squeeze about 1,200 in there. And it's quite a loud venue as well. There, there, are, there were times during this show, I've got to say, where the crowd was a lot quieter than usual. And there were certain matches that... We'll come to it in a bit that I don't think should have been booked for the show. Um, mm. But when you get a hot match there, the crowd and the venue often uh, really kind of draws the fans into the match. Example, uh, we were at the Ring of Honor London show and the atmosphere for the Marty Osprey match and the Bucks-Briscoes uh, match was absolutely incredible. We were set up on the balcony and watching like the fans, watching the atmosphere mm. and getting this kind of like uh, perspective from above on it all just made it even more kind of uh, engrossing, if anything. So I personally, I absolutely love it as a venue. I don't know about you, JP. I do. I, I'm, I'm a big fan. I've been there for boxing before. Um, so it has a kind of very much an old classical East End vibe to it. Um, but also at the same time, I like the way it's laid out. As soon as you go into sort of the main hall, the security are funny. Like at most wrestling shows, it takes halfway through a show for the security to realise there's not going to be any trouble here. And then they become a lot more relaxed. Whereas for the first half of this show, they're absolutely adamant everyone has to be sat in their seats, even though they're, yeah. even though that sometimes that's a real tight squeeze <laughs> and some of the chairs aren't the best. And then what happens is hits the interval and they kind of just go, ah, they're not in the way. And leave, leave <laughs> yeah, them alone. Yeah. Um, the other thing is when you go into the main hall on either side, you've got the merch stands set up and there's plenty of room for, for, uh, for photos, for T-shirts, DVDs. Um, and sort of the wrestlers have their specific sections as well. So as long as um, everyone works behind the counter, which there's a couple of times we've seen it, People get a bit territorial about oh, the space. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not mentioning any names, um, but for the most part, it, it, it works out really nicely. There's a, there's there's plenty of room also to move around, and you will see the sort of wrestlers milling out and about. Um, either my usual good chat with Matt Riddle, yeah, yeah, boring yeah. him in my fanboy <laughs> style. Where we stand, we often get like Shibata, and we've had Nakamura and Ishi kind of like squeezing by us, <laughs> which Jeff is always kind of weird. It, and I tell you, that yeah. was a squeeze. He's yeah. a big lad. God, that's got to be an experience, yeah, having, the, having those kinds of stars, kind of squeezing past, and you know, you got the likes of your, uh, I mean, Tomohiro Ishii. Yes. He's, a, he's a small man in frame, but I definitely wouldn't uh, wouldn't mess with him uh, if he could oh, get him anywhere God. near me. <laughs> oh, um, but absolutely. So getting into the show, then uh, the show opened up with uh, with Josh Bodham and Ryan Smile. Now this was an uh, the the advertised that is for the interim Rev Pro mm. British Cruiserweight title. Now Will Ospreay is the uh, is the standing champion. Uh, now with his talking of New Japan with him having many bookings over there this year uh, he's also going to be in Ring of Honor a lot it's almost an admittance by the uh, promotion that perhaps we're not going to see as much of him this year in Rev Pro as mm. we have previously yep. I mean what do you think of the idea of having a, an interim title it's obviously very uh, UFC influenced it's very real sports influenced but what do you think about uh, doing that in professional wrestling I 
to be honest with you, I'm I'm not a fan of separate divisions at this stage within mm. wrestling. So uh, there has been sort of word that they're planning on unifying the belts and whether or not that's because they're kind of, most of their stars are cruiserweights anyway, that the idea of a weight division is can be quite limiting, I yeah. find. And New Japan have this issue at the moment with their tag division in terms of their, their junior tag um Junior tag teams really should be working with the heavyweights at this mm. point. To not have the young bucks in your heavyweight division seems kind of um, slightly unusual to me. So I think at this point, I'm not so big about interims. UFC have kind of used it far too much. Mm. But at the same time, when it came to the match, if they're going to put on matches like this, really good openers, um, I'm all for it. I don't have an issue. Although I would have argued that it didn't really need the heat. It didn't no, need the I'm... interim element to it. A number one contendership would have been perfectly fine. Yeah, I, guess, I get think that works on. too. I mean, I think if, you, if you're going to be putting, though, uh, an interim title, I mean, it's not the, the proper belt. So if yeah. you're going to put it on anybody, I think it works with a heel like, you know, yeah, like a Josh Bodden because he's like a, almost a, a fraud as the champion. It yeah. kind of sets up this idea of a Will Ospreay uh, match further along the line. I mean, what did you think of the match then as far as it goes? I mean, I, I mean personally, I thought that Josh Bodden looked good and maybe a, a step behind uh, Ryan Smiley. Mm. Maybe yes. just that that level above is maybe the one thing I'd say, but I think the uh, they delivered a, an enjoyable opening match. Yeah, I thought I, I sort of agree with you, which is strange as well because Bodum's had a lot of experience working in York Hall at this point as well. Um, his best matches I often find is say for the cockpit where he utilises the venue really well um, and has some really intense matches. This I thought was was good. It was solid. Ryan's smile seemed to get over quite nicely in his first York Hall singles match as well. I think re- the result of the match was the best way out of it, but yeah. I would have liked to have seen more heat put on Bodum at the finish. Mm. I thought the win was, it was a very, very clean win, and I thought it was an opportunity to put a little bit more heat on him, going into an Osprey match, then possibly a smile rematch down the line, mm. uh, and I thought it was a chance to maybe get Ryan Smile over a little bit more as a babyface if they were also to put more heat on Bodum at the finish in some way. So I thought they missed a slight opportunity there, um, booking going forward of the interim title, I, I've got a feeling they'll do Osprey and Bodum headlining the cockpit show for the interim. Mm. And I think it looks like Ryan Smile is a guy that they've sort of recently brought in is someone they're looking long term, I think, to replace Osprey in that kind of um, baby face or sort of light heavyweight position, having decent matches of variety opponents. So I think down the line we'll get a Smile Osprey match where Osprey sort of gladly puts Ryan Smile over and sort of delivers that killer match of him. Kind of in the same way that AJ did with Osprey mm. in RevPro a couple of years ago. I, th- oh, yeah, I think that's yeah. the long term yeah. direction personally. And Smile is kind of at that next level he's one of the one of the few guys who doesn't appear to be signed up or not that we know of at this point and he debuted at the end of last year in a in a tag and he was we'd heard about him because he had some matches with with Osprey that had, that had gotten notoriety um and but he wasn't really sort of booked to shine as much in that tag here he seemed a bit banged up as well he had the um tape around his shoulder mm. um but he'd also sort of filled out looking at him. He, he'd kind of, he seemed very, very skinny the last time we seen him, but he seems to be sort of filling out and he worked very well as a sort of natural baby face to Josh Bodum as a heel. I'd agree with Joe that um, I, I always think sort of putting more heel heat on Josh Bodum is generally a good way to go 
because he tends to get that desired response. Oh, it goes along with the, uh, the heat that he's got in real life as well. <laughs> he, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is fascinating because he I, is very, very good, and I don't know whether it's I don't know whether you'd agree with this, um, lads, but. Does it make sense to? At which point do you kind of say, okay, we may not be get, we may have issues with him personally, but the guy's a good worker and we can go a long way with him. And given the limitations with the amount of good British guys who are going to be out there and available to book, that maybe there'll come a point where that they'll start to to hire him and maybe just say, okay, we're going to give him another go. What do you what do you think? Um, personally, I, I, like I say, I've seen some really good showings from him. Um, it's, the cockpit matches are always really, really good affairs. Mm. Um, I do find that us as fans, especially, uh, I find it really odd that progress is really against booking him. Um, and I just wonder when I've seen comment on him on the progress wrestling fans group before and on Twitter, it mm. seems like a lot of it's based on speculation and there's no sort of fact that, us as fans really know and it's all sort of like kind of like ah oh, Bodum sucks uh, Bodum's got a real attitude based on speculation um, I do think there are guys at the moment who are a little bit ahead of him when it comes to British talent mm. and guys, even though he's not British guys like Travis Banks are yeah. really going to get pushed this year Smile's yep. one of the guys as well but I do think there is a talent there um, I don't know what the guy's done I don't know anything myself but I do think I don't know long term I'd like to see him get something in other promotions be maybe be given another go Um and I, I just don't like it when the fans judge uh, a talent mm. so much based on pure speculation when obviously there is something there. Yeah, I think I think uh, if you know if it is true and the rumours are true, I mean I I do know a few people in in British wrestling who've had some run-ins with him, nothing right. particularly serious. But I think if the guy, I mean I suppose it's it's all in how we view it. I mean if 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 we do believe, choose to believe that he's maybe a bit of a dick in real life and he causes <laughs> trouble backstage. He's living the as gimmick. With, <laughs> exactly as with anything in wrestling, you turn the volume up to ten and and on a show you can actually buy into the fact that he's this dick heel and. Yeah. I know there was a big spot in the match where Ryan Smile hit a hit a dive to the outside and Bodum wasn't looking and Smile pretty much, you know, clattered them across the back of the head and you kind of think like you wouldn't like to see that spot, but when it's this dick heel, you think, yeah, you yeah, got him there. Yeah. He, he hurt him a little bit. So it, it, I think it adds to his matches and adds to his character and I think we'll probably see more of him um, in the coming year if he does, you know, if the rumours are true and he keeps his nose clean and, you know, RevPro continues to feature him prominently. Um, moving on then, the next match uh, here was, uh, they had the Rev Pro British tag title match. It was Charlie Sterling and Joel Redman, so they're the incumbent champions. Oh, what a uh, team. Yeah, I mean, Rev Pro <laughs> seemed to be behind them as, as a babyface team, but I'm not Oof. quite sure this match played out as, the, as they imagined, because they faced War Machine here, and I'm, me personally, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of War Machine. Yeah. Uh, and I think the people in the building were as yeah. well. So they're from a live perspective. I mean, did Sterling and Redman have a, a chance in hell of getting cheered in this match? <laughs> oh, where the oh, Joel Red, go on, you you, you whip your line out. It mate. is the line. It's it's not even my line. I'd love to pass it off as my own. But being I, when I took my kids to um to to the Rev Pro show, which show was it? Uh, was the there was the Zach Angle show. Zach, yeah. Um, no, it was the Shibata, the Shibata, Shibata right. Zach show. Shibata yeah, Zach. Blah, can't talk. Um, one, there was a guy who sat next to us and he said that Joel Redman has the saddest eyes in British wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't get that out of my head every time I look at him as if, 
like there's a real malaise within. Yeah. But I have to say, sometimes it does make him kind of look as a as your baby face looks very unenthusiastic. Yeah. I just feel like British wrestling has left Joel Redman behind personally, yes. and he's not adapted. And I just feel like when these two come out, I'm watching. I can hear Johnny Ace sort yeah, of thinking, I mean, wow, look at those bodies, man. And yeah, sort of I mean, going, here's a contract in 2005. I know Redman was in um, FCW NXT for a bit mm. and signing those guys up because uh, their their looks, they're, they're just like a couple of, and I think he's a good worker, but they're just a couple of like sort of Randy Orton type lookalikes without the yeah. kind of cool factor and the tattoos. And like, I don't think Sterling's bad at all. Um, there was there was some actual actually I thought there were some real positives in the match. They were getting booed, and Sterling started really working the crowd at certain points, yep. and yep. started realising he was getting booed, and started looking for heat. And the, the beret crowd were really at the start helped, into it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Wearing yeah. wearing coming out wearing a beret, it was like, oh, hang on, I think the crowd are going to turn on this. They're yeah. not going to that not going to let that pass. But Redmond, yeah. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> well, I think the thing with, with both of those wrestlers, I think you're right. I mean, Sterling is. I mean, if WWE UK the tournament had happened four years ago, three yeah. years ago, probably two years ago, they're both people who would have been signed up right away. And you know, I, I think there's still a chance there with Sterling. Maybe Redmond had his chance. Who knows? But yeah, I think it's probably a bit much to ask for them to be the babyface team here going up against yeah. a couple of you know bruisers in War Machine and in the structure of the match I, I wasn't a huge fan because mm. with the crowd reaction it didn't work war machine were very much acting the heels i mean there was a spot there you mentioned the hot tag um that you know war machine kind of bumbled into each other and were almost acting like comedy heels at one point to set up this yeah, ice cold mean. hot tag from charlie Staley. but like <laughs> like jay like jp said though i mean he came he came in the house on fire but he did he was aware that he was being booed and he did play up to it he was almost like he was essentially the most sarcastic baby face yeah. in the world so yeah. they did eventually make it work and i think as with any big war machine match i think once you get into the you know the, the closing stretches of the match with the all those great war machine spots with Hansen flying all over the ring and yeah, all the big hits. Yeah. I did. I do think it did turn into to quite a good match. I think War Machine had done himself a lot of favours last year with their appearances over here, uh, especially mm. the Progress matches with the Riots, yeah. um, because straight away when they came out there was an anticipation and people were really into him kind of instantly and there wasn't so much of that I didn't think at the ballroom when they first came over to mm. Progress last year but I think yeah those two matches the riots and I think they did some IPW UK as well I think that done them a lot of favours with the British fans and they'd also worked um, in the New Japan Tag League as well so they've so they've I can see them getting booked on some tours over there that I mean obviously they have a, they have a lot of um, They'd be a good addition over there. to the heavyweight division over there, really? definitely. And I could see them working Rev Pro and Progress quite a bit in the next year. I mean, I can see them being plenty of work for them in the UK. And they're they're very smooth. They're a lot smoother than, you know, having when I first saw them in Ring of Honor, I thought, I don't really know where this is going. There was a big push for Hansen. But now at this point, they are a very smooth team. Um, yeah. given their size as well and, and, and the agility that they have. Um, so hopefully they're going to be bringing them back. I'd like to see them in a match with, say, I don't know, Ishii and Yoshihashi, mm. let's say, and War Machine. I think that would be really good fun. What I did... Yeah. Sorry, Ben, carry on, mate. No, go for it, Joe, go on. No, what I did like was the post-match, though, when Travis Brank 
Travis Blanks, Travis Banks, and Chris Brooks uh, or CCK interfered at the end. Uh, Biggest faces in the building. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that their act is just well, especially uh, with Brooks. He's a pure heel. Yeah. It was just funny. Everywhere else you see him, he's this dirtbag who gets booed out the building. But here, here they come attacking uh, Charlie Sterling and Joel Redman, and yeah, they get a got almost a Road Warrior level pop, didn't they? The two of them. <laughs> he looked confused, Chris Brooks, as if this this this. He obviously did it very well, but he had this little look on his face of I'm not used to this. <laughs> this is I'm out of my comfort zone with this kind of level of a reaction. Um but really it's great to see them in there and at the minute Travis Banks is really on a run in in yeah. terms yeah. of his impact. I think this is uh, Andy Quilden as well realizing that uh you know if he's going to be running the cockpit more as well needs to be bringing in a certain standard of British talent and refreshing the uh, sort of freshen up the roster a little yep. bit as well and those guys are two kind of really good additions I think especially yep. coming in as a team I'm really really looking forward to seeing them mm-hmm. absolutely I mean the only thing I would say is poor kid like us he's the yeah, uh, he's the yeah. proper tag team for yeah, proper CCK yeah. member isn't he me he just didn't uh, poor like, TK Cooper as well not bringing the South Pacific power uh, trip trip Dude, couple yeah. in yeah, yeah. Like maybe they'll start a team of their own and they'll come in and they'll uh, they'll cause some mayhem but now I mean seriously it's great to see you know Travis Banks is a I would say one of the wrestlers of the year from last year yep um, and Chris Brooks as well uh, is a great heel act who's just bubbling under ready to, to yeah. break out so I think it's going to mm-hmm. be a big year for them and it's it's great that they're now under the Rev Pro umbrella mm-hmm. so Moving on then. So the next match was, uh, this was our, I suppose, intra-promotional dream match in some ways. Uh, yeah. Pete Dunne and, and Yoshihashi. I mean, you wouldn't have said that when probably when the match was announced. But yeah, it, it turned into it, didn't it? It was a bit of a, a political minefield here. You've got a New Japan <laughs> talent against a, a WWE UK talent. And oh. surprisingly enough, the uh, the finish came clean, didn't it? Yeah. It did. Do you um, think New Japan politic for that? Because Yoshihashi's facing... Who's, is Adam Cole. Face, yeah, Adam Cole for the ROH title or ROH were involved in some way in the decision. Mm. I'm not, I'm not sure. It was it was interesting because I think and I think there was I think it went through a lot of people's mind watching the match. It certainly went through mine of thinking what are the ramifications of this happening? And I know earlier on this is one of the big issues that we're going to come across as we're doing this show and all the other shows that we do. It, it's it's where do you go with this? Does the is does the is Rev Pro allowed to book it the way that they want to book it? Which means, in the sense, are they going to have the final? They're going to have the final control on this. Um, obviously, this is something that they're going to that they've got available now in terms of a match. Are WWE going to start clamping down on this? Have they let this go? Is this sort of a miss from them? It's it it's an absolute minefield, mm-hmm. and I won't lie, it's something that I need to try and forget every time I watch a British wrestling match now but it's going to be very hard yeah yeah well, I think I think given the circumstances, I think they got they did well. I mean, Pete Dunne came out and was again he got a yes. it, was a it was just a night of awkward reactions. He came out as a, yeah. to a returning hero pop. I mean, I think that's that's yep. people will criticise the crowd, but I think with him having that big weekend in WWE UK, yeah, he, he earned you, that. You could excuse it, can't you? To a point, um, he did his best to try and get some heel heat, but I mean, he did. I did think in, in some moments he was playing up to the crowd as well. He got but some I, you sold out chance at points yeah. as well. I, know, I noticed that on the undermand, yeah, that was interesting. I, 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 
what I love is, I mean, he, he, he's now incorporated into his act, hasn't he? Or a, a pedigree or at least yeah, a pedigree team. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I think that was a really nice little spot to include there yeah. as well. But yeah, I mean, as far as a match goes, I, I thought it was quite good. It started slow, but yes. it, it, it certainly uh, it built up. And although, like I say, the crowd reaction maybe wasn't ideal, I think Yoshihashi, he's a really underrated wrestler. Yeah. I think he, oh, yeah, he fit in well here as an underdog, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've got plans for him moving upwards. I think the thing that maybe took away from the reactions for Yoshihashi is that the crowd was so split about Pete Dunne. Yeah. And it kind of, Pete Dunne ended up almost dominating the thinking and Yoshihashi was like the other guy who's in there at the time. Yeah. Who I they d- didn't have any firm. It was his debut as well. So is that his debut? In RevPro, I got Rev the Pro, impression yeah. that uh, a lot of the RevPro fans, so when we get big New Japan talents mm. here, Nakada, Tanahashi, Nakamura, well, Nakamura only was there, um, and even Shibata, there's a real reaction usually whereas uh, mm. maybe I don't know fa- uh, the f- a lot of the fans were there a little bit more selective with the New Japan they watched so maybe they weren't um, so well maybe they weren't as familiar with Yoshihashi because he didn't get if they've been forward in the first of, halves yeah, of every yeah. New Japan show then that's yeah. probably going to be the yeah. but then I suppose he, he headlined a show of Omega last yeah. year didn't he um, so there, yeah there was a little bit of a kind of muted reaction I found the bits of the match were a little bit awkward at times like they sort mm, of I thought that yeah yeah, it looked like it took them a little bit, little while to sort of find their feet and find a rhythm together. Um, I always think Pete Dunne works best with uh, flyers. Uh, personally, I think he's a really good base for the likes of Andrews and Osprey. I saw him have a great match with, I know he's not a flyer traditionally, but people might Bailey at a Rev Pro show in Portsmouth last year. I didn't think this was one of Dunne's sort of better showings personally um, th- there was just something about the match that just seemed slightly off from where I stood personally yeah it, it, it wasn't anything blow away um, it was it was very tidy mm. it had nice pacing to it I think the crowd reaction ultimately kind of yeah. ended up sort of losing that bit of heat that maybe it needed because again sorry to, to lay the right, point but it's the idea of going back on to about how the crowd felt about how the crowd felt about Dunn and they wanted to react to him and they most of the crowd wanted to give him the kind of hero's welcome which mm. he by you know frankly deserves after the last year of work that he's put in um yeah. Well, I'd say, I mean, the other notable thing I'd probably say, apart from the fact that Dunn was uh, beaten cleanly, it was the fact that he went there and he, he shook Yoshihashi's uh, hand at the end of the match as well, didn't he? Which is a little yeah. bit uncharacteristic yeah. for him too. So I don't know whether to read into anything there as well. But yeah, all yeah. in all, it was, it was a decent match, but certainly not the uh, the abiding memory from this show. I think no. that'll be the matches we're about to get into. Firstly, yes. I mean, I'd probably call the show more of a double main event. And <laughs> I suppose my first question is, so up next, it was Zack Sabre Jr. and, and Marty Skrull. Um, people, I mean, it seems to have split opinion this match uh, and the builders seem to split opinion as well. But what did you think about the, the placement of the match on the card? I mean, this came right before intermission. Well, uh, I'd be lying if I, I didn't say that I thought it had a bit of an effect on the matches that followed it. Um, mm. What was the feeling in the building when uh, when this match came up uh, this early in the card? Rev Pro are very good usually at booking a big-time match before intermission. And then having everyone go into intermission kind of like on a real high Mm. and then trying to calm them down during the intermission. So they come back after the intermission to kind of a uh, sort of feeler match where they kind of get back into it a little bit. And then they sort of peak again in the main event. So last year they did Marty Osprey at the intermission Mm -hmm. of the show. 
uh, the High Stakes Show last year, did Zach AJ as the main event. And then last year, I remember them doing uh, Osprey Pete Dunn, Osprey Speedball Mike Bailey. Mm. In the, before intermission, they did Osprey. Uh, hold on, what was that? They did uh, Hero Ishii before the intermission last year as well, mm-hmm. which really worked. Um, and there was another big match did before intermission. What was it? Oh, Marty Hero as well, we did before intermission. So mm. usually they got a very good track record, a peak in the crowd at that midway point, intermission, come back, feel a match, get back into a little bit more, peak in at the main event. This time, I actually think most of the crowd wanted this to be the main event. Yes. Because mm. it, it was a feud that had been kind of there for the last year and it was such an anticipated match and we'd not seen them kind of actually hook up in that time I thought that the placement of it I I get why Shibata Riddle was the main event but I thought this was the more sort of anticipated match in the building I thought Marty Mm. was probably the most over person on the entire show from sort of crowd reaction uh, especially on his entrance and then moments during the match and I know Marty loves to sell a t-shirt but I think his (laughs) t-shirt was kind of like the one that you saw more than any other t-shirt over the course of a night yeah, I think they kind of, with the build to the feud, I thought they played. I mean, I, I'm really split on what I think of the build to the match. I think it seems to me that Zack Sabre, people want to boo him in Red yeah, Pro. They, they Marty Skrull, people <laughs> want to cheer him. Yeah. So I would have thought they'd maybe lean a bit more into that. But they kind of kept it in this uh, grey area, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. Going through. And I suppose it, it allows for a more layered storytelling, but... Uh, when it came to the match here, I think some people were expecting it to be more of a of a blood feud of sorts. But I think those who yeah. followed the story closer, I think a, a 40 minute match as this, uh, where really it's just two men who know each other really well. Um, it, it's going to be, I mean, it plays to their strengths, doesn't it? To For it to be a more competitive match than that you're angry at blood and guts kind of brawl. Because oh, I didn't think it should have been a blood like a blood match blood feud style match at all mm. um because it wasn't a feud where sort of i don't know you saw like these cr- crazy angles you saw a low blow you saw a, like you know marty screwing zach and then you saw at a bit of an angle at the cockpit and mm. it was kind of standard angle stuff it wasn't kind of like i want to i don't know uh rip your head off type stuff yeah. so i got why they didn't go into it doing like blood feud style sort of uh offense at the beginning of it i just thought it was that li- it was that little bit slow i thought there was like an in-between point between say blood feud and nice competitive technical match that they needed to find yeah. and personally i didn't think they found that they went straight into almost the technical aspects of the match first of all mm. and if you and they were there for a while and I think that might have been the issue. That, yeah. that in terms of the structure of it, it would have been great to start off with some element of fire into yeah. it as they'd started off and then go into the technical. Mm. You know, and they would have obviously, they're obviously good enough to be able to work that out. And I think that would have helped because it did feel, it felt long. Yeah, yeah I it, think it, it was. Did. It did it was 40, feel long. 41 minutes, was it? Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit indulgent, I think, those technical yeah, exchanges. Yes. And I think it was when they, yeah, when they started uh, the strike exchange, and I noticed, you know, watching on the VOD as the mm. crowd kind of came to the feet, that was when they had them. And it was from from then on, I think it was a 
you know a close to five star match it's just the the it just took a while to get going didn't it and yeah i mean i've heard from from different people ranges of response to it was boring i didn't get it too it's <laughs> oh. the, it's going to be the match of the year and nah, i think i'll probably nah. fall somewhere in the middle but probably more yeah. on the higher end i think I mean, it's I, I not carly like... kozloff is it i mean it's no. <laughs> <laughs> it's all still great but like you say it's, it's 41 minutes what i thought That's a big ask I, I just thought that there should have been a little bit more intensity because the crowd was kind of like paying for this match yeah. there was such such a kind of build up there was a real intensity within the crowd for this match as well and then when it started they didn't kind of grab the crowd instantly in the way that say I know they're completely different wrestlers and it's mm. a completely different style of match but Hiro and Ishii at your call before an admission got the crowd immediately yep. with the sort of opening sequence and the kind of comparison of height and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. whereas this needed that intense opening sort of uh, exchange and it, it just kind of didn't happen and they yeah. just didn't kind of grab the crowd instantly and you sort of felt the crowd petering out you felt that they wanted to get back into it but they were I, like I, and I was one of the people I can speak uh, personally about this like I was somebody who really wanted to get into the match but was just I just struggled to get into it for some reason it was yeah like you say Ben I think self-indulgent is probably the best way to best way to put it if I'm honest yep. yeah I mean I enjoyed as far as the, the VOD goes I, I enjoyed the, the commentary was actually quite good of putting over the story of the match mm. that you know the two men were trying to outdo each other mm. um, putting over you know why different moves were happening in the match but yeah right. I, I think that they'll probably meet again won't they I, uh, I'd like to I, see it again I'd like to see him do something a slightly different take on the match personally I don't know what the I haven't seen the PWG match I'm not even sure if it's out yet um, but I'm, I know Meltzer's always raving about that one isn't yeah. he yeah Yeah, yeah. So I'd I'd be interested to see it, to see if it's kind of similar or whether they go slightly different take on the same style of match, possibly. Yeah, and it's it's interesting in terms of where both of their careers are at as well, because obviously Zach's moving to the moving to the states. Marty's in Ring of Honor, but he's not in New Japan. Mm. It's. And it's only six months, I think. I really hope Marty gets booked on those Ring of Honor New Japan shows. Are they in February? I think I they're think? February. Yeah, I'd love to see him get booked on those this year. If they don't, if they don't, there's an issue. Yeah, I, I would suggest. Well, he's, TV, he's got the TV title. I know yeah. they did. Was it Roderick Strong Ishii for the TV title at Corican? Yes. So you'd hope that he'd get TV title matches on mm-hmm. the on those shows potentially. Because uh, I, I think. Mean, I- sorry, mate. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, I mean, if Cheeseburger can get booked by New Japan through the <laughs> yeah. Ring of Honor contact, then, you know, you get the likes of Jay Lethal on, on these New Japan, big New Japan cards. Hopefully, it can do something similar for Marty as well. Yeah. You just have to hang around with Jushin Liger. There you go, yeah, yeah. Get, in there with the, yeah. get in there with the boys and uh, get himself a, a gig there at New Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the big, I suppose the big takeaway from this match, and we talked about it happening just before the interval, mm. um, it definitely felt like they went to interval, came back, and then we had these next two matches, which we can probably talk about in unison because yeah. uh, I don't think that I think they both really suffered from the crowd being yeah. uh, quite in a in a down period at this point. First, it was Trent Seven and Trevor Lee, yeah. and yeah. then it was Jay White and Martin Stone, and it was just it was unfortunate placement for both of these matches, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I just I just thought Jay White and Martin Stone. I really like Jay White. I think yep. he's a really solid talent. I think he's got fundamentally he's, he's got kind of everything he kind of needs at this point at mm-hmm. this stage of his career but this match I just didn't think 
should have been on a show of this kind of stature. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this mm. was on a cockpit show, I'd, I'd be like, yeah, cool, good little match for that sort of venue. Yep. But I just didn't think the crowd had any interest in this whatsoever. Um, no. A lot of them, even though Jay White's been at York Hall a couple of times, I didn't mm. think a lot of them were kind of familiar with him. He hadn't really gotten over at a level where he sh- sort of should be getting booked in regular singles matches at York Hall either. And that's no kind of disrespect to him because I think he's a real talent. So I just think the crowd were just... I'm just not interested in it. It's almost like he still has the young lion gimmick in a, in yeah, a sense where yeah. it's it, there isn't really a character where there's some absolutely spot on fundamentals. Yeah. And Martin Stone is is very, very good and he looks in great shape as everyone He's would have best seen. shape of his life, mm, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was it it was I found it hard to get into and I, I really like Jay White. He's got a cracking t shirt as well for those those mm. those looking. Um <laughs> It's just that his character isn't developed and certainly his role within Rev Pro isn't very well developed. Martin Stone, this is the, the first time that I'd seen him there. When was the last time he was at Rev uh, he Pro? He faced Pete Dunne on the same show that uh, they did Zach Angle at. Yep. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I was kind of seeing this as a bit of a homecoming for Martin Stone. I think it still is in a, oh, in a yeah. few ways as he spent so much time in America, hasn't he? He was obviously in the That's WWE it. UK tournaments. Uh, and now he's here, so you'd expect we'll see more of him on Rev Pro shows. But he's yeah, booked on the Orlando we'll show, isn't uh, he, against Jeff Cobb, I want to say? I think it is. I think it is against Jeff Cobb. Yeah. But then also you've got the issue with him about whether or not if WWE end up running a, 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 yeah. a weekly show, mm. he's going to be over there, and that's probably going to limit him in Rev Pro. Yeah. He wouldn't be able to probably work Rev Pro at that point. Well, speaking of WWE, I mean, mm. what did you think of uh, Trent Seven and the Trevor Lee match? I mean, I thought... The commentary gave the impression that, you know, he won this match and it was kind of putting over the fact that, oh, Trent Seven might go on a run. And if anyone would know, it would be really? Andy Wilding because he's the man on commentary and yeah. he runs the promotion. But Trent almost looked like he was saying goodbye there. I mean, how did that one come across? Oh, it was a funny... I, I really wanted to like this. I was really looking forward... Weren't you chatting to Matt Riddle during this match? No, it wasn't doing... <laughs> it, at the very start, I was chatting to Matt Riddle. We Because I was distracted by watching JP talking to Matt Riddle because it was just like <laughs> bromance. Like, there was sparks seriously flying between you two. Oh, uh, it's... He's, he's just a beautiful man, <laughs> what can I say? Um... But I was I was looking forward looking forward to seeing Trevor Lee in particular after seeing him in Bowler um, mm. and and how fantastic he was there. But like you say, this is all really the knock on effect from a very long draining match with Marty and Zach. And also, and this is a for the, if there is one complaint about about the York Hall building that you have, is that. It can be a nightmare getting in because of the levels oh, of yeah. security. Yeah, the security. There was a stabbing outside in sort of the summer last year. And yeah. ever since uh, that occurred, the security have just gone crazy. There was a stabbing after a boxing event. So obviously oh us wrestling fans and, you know, those boxing fans yep. are <laughs> such a similar breed that we need to be patted down, search for all sorts of whatever before we go into the venue. So it is a nightmare getting in the building. The last few shows and- have been tough. Huff. Like people have missed bits of matches uh, due to getting into the building because of the rigorous searches, and it delays the start time. When it delays yeah. the start time, it means there's less time for the intermission, which is what happened here. You basically have about 15 minutes, which in our case is going outside, going to get something to drink and a bag of crisps, and basically going back inside again. And then you're starting up with with this match, and they're kind of exhausted. People, you know, have had some chance to go and get some merch and whatever, but really it's not a lot of time and it's 
partly based on the problems that they have getting in, mm. that there is always this kind of rush getting through them. And it definitely, if, I mean, it felt like I mean, Trevor yeah. Lee seemed there wasn't much of a reaction for him, uh, nope. you know, do, doing his heel act. So he started, yeah. he started acting up, didn't he? Doing his uh, I'm a t- TNA star, yeah. throwing in all kinds of Mahardy references and stuff. And I think <laughs> it garnered something of a reaction, but yeah, certainly it definitely it, it suffered there from the crowd this match, I think. I think so. And I mean, but overall, as a match, um, it was it was fine. I suppose and that's yeah. a sort of really bland way of saying it. There wasn't anything that particularly stood out, and it's and again, it's part, it's very difficult when the crowd themselves are not really invested in the match, and that's and like you said before, that really goes for those two matches yeah. together. I do think there was a real osprey kind of sized hole on this card as well, yeah. because I think this. I was thinking back. I think this is the first York Hall show that Osprey hasn't been on since Rev Pro started running York Hall, mm. and that was really evident. I thought because. If you get him or Marty after an admission and it's before the main event, the crowd are going to be into it no matter what because they're the kind of home guys who people love and have been sort of seeing grow in the promotion. And I thought not having that kind of... Trent Seven's only done, what, one match at York Hall, I think, Mm -hmm. in Rev Pro, and that was a six-man tag. So not having that kind of homegrown guy who all of the kind of York Hall Rev Pro fans are so familiar with kind of hurt the second half of the show and like Martin Stone although he was a regular on the UK scene for years I think there were a lot of new fans who have uh, obviously come into come come into the scene and they're maybe not so familiar with Martin Stone's work mm-hmm. so when he does come back there's maybe not that familiarity or that interest in like him coming home or him coming back to Rev Pro Sure. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I think all four guys, Trent, Trevor, Jay White and Martin Stone, I think they'll all have better days where they'll get better reactions. But, I mean, we've, we've criticised the, the, the crowd enough for, for one night because getting into the main event, I think this was a match where, I mean, I've heard people say bad things about the crowd. Sorry, but... Benno, before you start on the main event, I will, I would like to make this point of this was the first Rev Pro show for a while where I heard no moose chance. Oh yeah, no moose um, chance. <laughs> there you go. God. Which is a glorious. Corner, yeah. A gl- so I will say that about the crowd. The, 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 the thing is, yeah, it's only yeah. taken them, you know, what eight months. Um, yeah. It's finally pick yeah. up that no one likes that chant. Not even moose. I, I would say. I've told a few people off for chanting moose before. Uh, couldn't help myself. But yeah, it was. I was so glad to not hear that bloody oh. moose chant because that has ruined aspects of matches at times. What I'll say is the York Hall crowds are generally great crowds. It's just a few kind of annoying individuals and kind of like little sort of groups of people who often mm. come out with the annoying chants. And they'll try and hijack the show. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I thought that kind of played into this main event, though. I think Matt Riddle, he's he's yes. garnered a bit of a. He's got like a traveling support now, hasn't he? People yeah. who are following around, uh, go on nights out with him, buy him drinks. Uh, he's uh, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, he likes to party, doesn't he, Matt, uh, Matt Riddle? So he's kind of got this this group that follows him around, as well as you know, the, we're all he's every show that he does. I think he creates new fans just because he's such a, yeah. a charismatic presence yeah. uh, of a man. So throughout this match, so this main event, uh, Matt Riddle and, and, and Shibata, I felt like it almost felt like a football match. There wasn't like <laughs> it was a face and heel match, but there was. it, it felt from the VOD, like with the chance coming for Matt Riddle, yeah. it was a very uh, partisan crowd. And I thought that worked really well into, mm. a, into a match like this where you've got two men who were just so evenly matched and in some ways were quite mirror images of each other, weren't they? Oh yeah, big time. I thought 
uh, that made for a really unique atmosphere immediately. And I think what Riddle kind of does well as well is he he remembers fans and he makes fans kind of feel valued as well. Mm-hmm. And that then draws people into his matches more. So it's quite a smart little kind of, um, I don't know if it's intentional, but if it is, it certainly works for him. Cause He's it, just a man of the people, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whole... Oh, sorry. Go on, Ben. I was just going to say, yeah, my whole Twitter timeline's full of, it seems every time there's a, a Rev Pro or a Progress show, it, <laughs> yeah. it's full of people who've been uh, you know, out with Matt Riddle and he just he comes across as just a really genuine, awesome guy. So it kind of makes sense that he's uh, he's endeared himself such that he's got this uh, this travel and support now. He has, and he's very, he copped on very quickly onto the chance of people singing... Um, gold. Gold. <laughs> Spandau, Spandau Ballet. Ballet. Uh, except singing bro instead of gold. And he's singing along with it as well. Um it's it's an incredible even though they're kind of two sides of the same coin obviously matt riddle as a personality is very very different from shibata although my kids have met shibata and he was surprisingly friendly and i'll take that as and he didn't give him a pk to the chest so <laughs> um so he, he you know but matt riddle is so laid back and mm. for those of you sort of wanting to there's very good reasons why he's very laid back um, but he, he, in terms of the atmosphere and the intensity, he seems to be able to just switch. And yeah, the great yeah, thing about seamless. this match is when this begins, and it's very similar to the match that, that we all saw um, with the sprint he did with Osprey, where that when he's on, he's on. And it's so smooth. There's, I can't think of anything about this match that's, that's wrong. because he's like a fifth. It's like a 15-minute G1 match, wasn't it? Yeah, it is like a 15-minute yeah. G1 match. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the the thing. It was just a smooth match between two men who were very evenly matched. I mean, uh, the, the story of the match was kind of, wasn't it, Shibata getting the, the better of him in the early stages. Yes. Riddle coming back with his strikes. Um, I love the exchange where yeah, Shibata was just refusing to sell being uh, slapped by Matt Riddle. Mm. I thought that was absolutely Walking awesome. Walking around well. to all the different corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was just awesome. And just, I think uh, we talked, we said before about them being almost mirror images of each other. Uh, they've got a very similar offense. And they've mm. both got, I think both of them, we talked earlier in the show about Matt Riddle and, it, and his real strength is incorporating wrestling moves into an almost real fight scenario. Yeah. And I think that's what this came across as, so like a, a big time real fight didn't it well with both of their sort of MMA backgrounds as well I was thinking oh, it's like a bit sort of uh, it's like Pancrase or UWFI oh, at yeah. certain points of it and I sort of I leant over to my brother and sort of said that to him at one point and yeah we were both sort of like yeah it's quite interesting they brought that sort of MMA background and that history from their sort of MMA careers into this style of match and I think I think booking this match uh, showed quite a lot of kind of ambition on Rev Pro's part because it was a massive hit but at the same time I don't know how much of the Rev Pro audience or MMA fans are familiar with the guys MMA careers but they seemed engrossed by that style because it was completely different to everything we'd seen on the card up yep. to this point as well. Um, and it showed real variety and there was something unique about it because the previous two matches that we'd seen had just been standard, solid wrestling matches. And then this brought something totally different to the table. It reminded me when you see uh, during like a, a kind of standard G1 card, I mean, you'd get like, uh, Ishii versus Shibata or Shibata versus Honma. Yep. And you just get this like, like crazy 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 a match war. yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was just there was things about this like they built the suplex spots, for example. They built those suplex spots. They meant so much when they happened, mm-hmm. and people were so uh, kind of amped to see those spots. And when Riddle, there was a moment where Riddle really sort of uh, don't want to say hulked up, but there was this moment mm. where he showed this like real intensity, sort of out of nowhere. And it was the way he just flipped and showed yep. that intensity, and it was so it connected with the crowd, and the crowd straight away were drawn into his performance even more. It was just a Great, great, great match. I think it's my favourite match outside of the any any new Japan. Well, outside of New Japan this year so far. I know we're a month into the year. I was going to say, yeah, we haven't yeah. even ended January. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's insane, isn't it? I mean, I, I would um and ah about whether or not it's better than the Osprey Sprint. Two. I mean, I, I personally preferred the Osprey match. Mm. I think. I can. This felt obviously very different because they'd spent yeah. that. I mean, it's a totally I, different sort of match. But you know the way that, that sometimes there'll be a bit of amateur wrestling at the start of a match, and generally the audience will only be kind of the crowd will only be really feeling their way into it at, this, at that point because these two have such credibility on that front. Straight away, the crowd are there, and they mm. they're just absolutely into it. And Shibata is immense, and you know this is not someone who who doesn't seem capable of phoning it in. No. You just don't... This is not... You no. know, every time... The, all the, the three shows he's been at Rev Pro for, he has absolutely worked his socks off every single time. It is amazing because even though Rev Pro brought in Tanahashi, Okada and Nakamura, mm. I think the standout performers when they've come to Rev Pro from New Japan are Shibata and Ishii. Yeah. By some distance, really. Absolutely. That's it. When you when Nakamura was coming over, I think you kind of went to to get to see Nakamura live. Yeah. Oh yeah, you? it wasn't so much that he was giving you his uh, his blowaway matches. It's, it's the Nakamura with, live yeah. experience. His matches with Zach and the match you have with Damo were really good matches yeah. live. I've got to say, mm. but Shibata and Ishii just bring that absolute A game when they come over. Really, like, it's that it, next level. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, speaking of which, then, so uh, mm. I mean, at the conclusion of this match, uh, uh, Zach Sabre actually came out, didn't he? And uh, wanted to set up a rematch with Shibata. I mean, where would you place this match with, with those matches? I uh, did, with the I Sabre did, Shibata? I'm hoping... Uh, oh, you mean in comparison? Mm. Uh, oh, I thought this was a level above both of the Zack uh, Shibata matches, personally. Um, yeah. I enjoyed the Zack Shibata matches, but I didn't come out of them uh, kind of like, wow, like, what have I just seen? Whereas this, I came I came out... We came, we came out of the show kind of wired, didn't we? Like, Absolutely really sort of wired. amped. Uh, felt like came out of it on a real positive note. Whereas as enjoyable as the Zach Shibata matches both were, like I was just like, oh, really decent match, uh, really well, like de- sort of, not a Styles clash, but the Styles kind of meshed quite nicely. But I thought this was a level above. Didn't have the intensity. Does Zach, uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, at yeah. least, I mean, I'd say with the, with Matt Riddle, what it had is, it, I mean, both, all of those matches always had that sort of technical ability and, and the nice sort of amateur, amateur work at the start of it. But with, Zach, it's a bit more mannered. And mm. with Riddle, it's a bit rawer. And I suppose it's partly to do with the fact that he's, he's unbelievably only, what, 18, 19 months into this, which is insane to think of. Um, but it's much more, it was much more intense and it was much more of a kind of MMA feel to it. So, I mean, there was that sense of really hard striking when it was happening. It was incredibly intense striking. Everything was just. It was moving at a, a quicker pace as well. You didn't get the feeling that this was going to possibly go half an hour. Mm. I mean, I don't think it could have. It could have gone half an hour that way. Um, so I would say, if there was one thing I'd want from a future Zach Shibata max, match, then what I'd want is probably that kind of 
that killer intensity. I think they should do. I I don't think they should do the match at York Hall personally. I think they should mm. be booking this match for two reasons on one of their Orlando shows. One because we've seen it twice at York Hall. Yeah, I don't think there's the interest. And two, if. Uh, Rev Pro were able to land Shibata and some of the New Japan guys for their Orlando dates, then that is going to do massive favours for people wanting to attend their shows yeah. on that weekend and make them all the more kind of relevant and interesting and unique over that weekend. And I think for fans who have never seen a Rev Pro show before, Zach Shibata would be a great intro yeah. for many of those fans going along to that show. Yeah. They would, and then, and I think there's obviously the match at the end of February with um, I said the end of February it's in about two weeks, isn't it? With Shibata and um, and Will Ospreay as well, which if they wanted to, they could go down. I mean, it doesn't seem likely they're going to go down the route of taking the um, Rev Pro title off Shibata and mm. putting it onto Osprey, which would be and I'm and I'm fascinated by that as well at the same time, just simply because of the styles clash on that, which. If there's a way of working the three of them, I think it'd be interesting. And mm. if it works its way onto a, I don't know, a, a, a Zach and mm. Will Ospreay match again, I th- I, it's all good either way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that kind of ties into the main theme of this mm. podcast as we've looked at Rev Pro is just how beneficial that New Japan relationship is, and yeah. just talking through there all the potential possibilities that, that could happen here with the with that relationship going forward. So it's definitely been beneficial. And yeah, as far as a, a show goes, then just for some uh, some closing thoughts, then I think I think we'd all agree, all three of us, that we'd uh, we'd recommend people uh, find this on VOD if, uh, if if they would like to. Oh yeah, without absolutely. a doubt, the the Shibata uh, Riddle match is a must see, like absolute must see match if you ask me. Yeah, and if you get a chance to speak to him in the flesh, he's absolutely lovely as well, and is as beautiful as you'd imagine him to be with the hair in particular. You're going to take him out for a drink <laughs> next time? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think I'll be marrying him. Um, <laughs> I joke, I kid. <laughs> a, a glowing recommendation yes. there then from from all three of us so that pretty much brings us to the uh, the conclusion of the show um and it, you guys both of you are available on twitter do you want to tell the uh, the good people where they can uh, find you online uh yeah you can find me at uh it's lem sip but it's uh four p's rather than one p because one two and three p's on lem sip were all taken and I'm at JP Jippy, um, J I P three E's, because two E's had gone. Um, <laughs> that's that's the modern world we live in. Yep. <laughs> well, you, you can find me on the indicorner.com, and there's definitely a running theme here with the Twitter handles. I'm, it's not at Benno that was taken, so I'm at 83. NN and then the number zero. I think I'm going to have to throw all three of these in the show notes or maybe go forward. <laughs> we all need to have a, a long, hard look at ourselves and maybe I rethink think so. <laughs> those Twitter handles there. Brilliant. So, yep, this has been uh, our first show. I've enjoyed doing it. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to it too. We'll be back next month. Uh, in the meantime, uh, please check out theindycorner.com. Uh, for I've just uh, got a couple of reviews up on there for, for recent progress shows. Um, there's plenty on there at the moment um, as far as reviews go, previews and columns and news upon the world of independent professional wrestling. So please check that out. So that's a, that's it from us uh, for this time. Uh, we'll leave you with a, a special song that we've uh, we've all chosen that uh, that, that ties well uh, into this episode. And Can't yeah, wait. we'll uh, catch. <laughs> Indeed, we will. Uh, we'll keep that for a, for a surprise in a couple of seconds, and we will catch you all again soon. It may not mean nothing to y'all. 
Never mind, never mind. 